good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. Over there you see Griffin Bass. And it's actually been a little while since we've been together on a Friday. Stan the Fan Charles is back in studio with us. Well, it's been three weeks, right? Right. I was out one week, then right. you were out one week, and so it's and been... And now we're back together. Back together. Again. You, you prepared the musical number, correct? Yeah. For our yeah, we're going to do that in the 11 o'clock. United and it feels so good. We got a busy day on tap here on GCR. Uh, first hour, it's just Stan and I. Really, just Stan. Actually, I'm gonna go walk out. I'm gonna go. It's such You're a beautiful, go for a walk such today. a beautiful day. Why wouldn't I try to soak up some early of the summer sun? day? Um, so Stan will be here to entertain you, and then later on in the program, we're gonna make a couple of trips. One to Norfolk, Buck Britton, manager of the Tides. They uh, just clinched the first half title. And so they will be in the championship series, even if they lose every game the rest of the way. No matter what, they're in the championship series. Obviously, it's been an interesting week. They've had uh, both Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle there. They got Heston Kerstad there. They they're combined, by the way. Mullins and uh, Mountcastle are combined one for eighteen. But it was a home run. That yeah, one. That's right. It was a home run. Uh, and it of wasn't, course, and it wasn't Mountcastle. It was definitely not Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, but we'll talk to Buck Britton about all of that. Trending Craig, outfielder for the Del- Delmarva Shorebirds, who's been hot since he got healthy. Uh, he is going to join us this morning. We will meet new Navy baseball coach Chuck Rostano, who is previously the pitching coach at Florida State. He'll tell us about why he chose to come up this way and take on that job. And uh, before we get out of here today, Roman Hemby, University of Maryland running back, John Carroll alum, he is hosting a football camp in Joppa Town tomorrow, his hometown. He's going to join us to tell us about that and hopes for the Terps this season. So all of that on the way this morning. Now is that is that camp, is, is that allowed under the NIL? It's absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yep. So that that's, is, a, that's an interesting – that kid is – going places. Oh, he's a very not only is he very talented. We've had him on a couple of times. He is a smart smart kid um out in front of things. You know, he's John Carroll educated, so you're not really surprised by that, but man, he is uh like whatever if if the NFL, which might be in the cards for Roman Hemby, it's totally possible that he's going to end up being an NFL player. But if it ends up not being, he's going to be just fine. He will have lots of opportunities because he is a heck of a, a impressive kid. But we'll talk to him before we get out of here today. Um, the Orioles, of course, were off last night after the uh, short series in Tampa. They open up a series tonight against the Mariners, I guess weather permitting. It's not supposed to – I don't know what it like, – like It's I, I see like intermediate showers and thunderstorms kind of on the, uh, the forecast for the weekend, so I don't know what to make of what the next couple of days are going to look like as the Orioles and Mariners try to play three games. What – yeah, I mean, yeah, it's exactly that. It's just like thunderstorms, and it's just yeah. But like the sun is also in yeah, in it's a little very, picture. So we're supposed to be doing a birthday party for my six-year-old, which, by the way, his birthday was like a month ago. I don't know what the hell is going. No one's ever gotten more parties than my six-year-old. This is insane. That's what happens when you're six, man. Like we did a little party for him, and then the rest of the family, like the grandparents and everything, and the, the Jane and I have one scheduled for him. You're next throwing week. him a party yeah. too. That's a very pool, nice of you. Party. Thank you, Stan. Yeah. That's very nice of you. Now we got to do a party for his school friends. Like it's insane. I I said to my wife last night, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like three three birthday parties? I don't even remember when his birthday was. We're so far removed from it at this. What did point. he do to deserve this? Right? Good jerk. Anyway, he uh, we're supposed to do a party for him at the pool tomorrow, and I am 
like I said to her on the way out the door today, I'm like, we still, uh, we still doing that whole thing? That, that's still happening? And she was like, well, it's not supposed to rain the whole time. I'm like. Yeah. And if there's <laughs> no thunder and lightning. I guess. Yeah, you can... But you really want to have 20 kids hanging out? Yeah, it... just standing next to the pool, you know. It's going to be a weird day, man. Weird day. What's the temperature supposed to be? The uh, nights have been very. They have they've been. been very cool. Oh, you've needed jackets this yeah. week. I am going to the Weezer show tonight at Merriweather, and on my way out the door this morning, I put a jacket in my car because How'd I. How'd you get hoodwinked into that? I, yeah, my friend Brandon was very kind to invite me, and I am very excited to go see. You know, actually, you know who's opening for them? Future Islands is opening for really? them. So I, I, I like am, Future Islands. I am very much. I know you you went down to D.C. to see Future Islands once, yeah, didn't you? didn't hear a word of any song. Oh. It was so loud. Okay. Well, first I started out wearing my hearing aids. Yeah. And I said, this isn't going to work. It's too much. It's way too loud. Yeah. Then I just simply, it was still too loud, even without my hearing aids. I put, then I tried to. Sonic boom uh, muffle, you know, uh, earplugs. Okay. And I couldn't hear. I, I just never heard a word of any song. <laughs> it was probably. Never heard a melody that. I love the record. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, it was probably well worth the 65, 70 bucks yeah, or whatever it is that was, you paid yeah. for the tickets and the drive down to D.C. in order to do it. Stan, um, a ton of things that I want to talk about with you this morning. Let's kind of go step by step. We were joking about the fact that Ryan Mountcastle is. Um, not exactly lighting the world on, world on fire. And unlike Mullins, who was really coming off an injury, Mountcastle wasn't necessarily coming off an injury. So if Mountcastle was in otherwise perfect... Uh, well, I mean, he was coming off supposedly vertigo. vertigo. Right. Which, it's, mean, uh, to me, it's just a little bit different than coming off an injury where right. you got to... Like, this is more if I feel right, right. and everything he else shouldn't is... shouldn't be in a batting cage in, the, in a game if he's not feeling 100% correct. from that. So you would have thought if... If Ryan Mountcastle was Adley Rutschman and had gone through something like this, if he felt good, you would think it, you would want it to be a quick stop yep. on an, on a rehab because it's not really about testing a leg or something like that. It's right. just, just about to making get your timing down. Correct. Do you have your bearings about you? Are you good? Okay, we can get you back up here. The problem is he's not been Adley Rutschman. He's been Ryan Mountcastle. So. I don't know what the timing will end up being or what, what it is they want to see him do. I do wonder if in any way it's sort of like a delay tactic, like let's maybe wait this out as long as we can before we have to do something here. Yeah. What is Ryan Mountcastle at the point at which the Orioles bring him back to the major leagues? And boy, that's a darn good question. You know, um, you know the, the Orioles have a very interesting homestand coming up starting tonight weather permitting they've got seattle for mm -hmm. three a desperate seattle team that's yep. played way below expectations so they're going to be coming in here they would they beat the they, Yankees they scored 10, a, to yeah, two. 10 runs last night yeah. yeah um and then we got the cincinnati reds who i just heard jim bowden uh, talking about baseball. them they're the hottest team in baseball and says they're they've scored the last this isn't just like the 10 game streak he says the last 30 days they've scored more runs than any other team besides Atlanta and San Francisco. Okay. 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 Uh, They're all very hot teams. Yeah. All three of them. So, um, and then we've got the Minnesota Twins who are kind of yeah. capable of more than they, I, you know. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, and our friend Jorge Lopez is going through uh, some issues, anxiety issues mm -hmm. on the IL there. 
And he had gotten off to a really good start the season. He got too. off to a terrific he, start and then hit a mm-hmm. hit, and now he's having some of the same anxiety problems. So, you know. so the again, because I'm going to go layer by layer. There's going to be other names yeah. going to come up, but let's yeah. we start with Mountcastle. Yeah, I don't. He, I don't think you can leave him there. I, I I don't think the Orioles are a place where they are prepared to make a dramatic. Ryan Mountcastle decision, like no, it doesn't the, appear that they the, are. The man has two options left. Like they, they don't have to bring him up at all. But I don't think they're ready to do something that dramatic. I, I do wonder at this point. Like at most, it feels like the smart thing to do would be to say you're going to face lefties, and at the moment, that's going to be what your role is until right. either O'Hearn cools off and turns back into a pumpkin, or you know, whatever else happens, I just, I don't think that you can justify the idea of Ryan Mountcastle being your everyday first baseman in the next week. I would totally agree with you. I would totally agree with you. Uh, he's, he's played himself uh, out of Brandon Hyde and the organization's circle of trust, I'd say. Uh, you know, you bring up a very interesting point. You know, I don't know what it would take for them to just simply option him down mm-hmm. there, but... I don't think it's out of the question. You know, I mean, they're really trying to win games now. I understand. They're not trying to keep somebody happy. And you see, look what Tampa did with Wander Franco. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. teams are right. serious about winning when you have the opportunity to. I'm scratching my head why Colton Cowser and Jordan Westberg we- aren't on this team mm-hmm. over McKenna I- and Lester, for we, We've example. been talking about this for weeks now, though. Yeah. Like, we're weeks into this question. Where yeah. It was fair to start asking about that, I think, literally two to three weeks ago, and it hasn't changed. Maybe it changes today, but again, they've got other complicated situations. So th- you bring up, you start to bring some of those names up. The next name is Mullins, who I, I think you're probably looking at through the weekend with Mullins, yeah, probably, probably. Yep. or at least a little bit of the weekend. Like, maybe Sunday they bring him back. And it would seem like McKenna would be the guy to go in favor of Mullins' return. The question... I would think Lester is going to go. You think Lester's first? Okay. You got enough people that can play first base. You got Urias, you got Santander, plus O'Hearn. But let's let's assume if it's Mullins and Mount... If they're bringing Mountcastle okay. back, that those are the two... Probably right. McKenna and Lester are the guys that go. Most likely. You could argue Ortiz is in that conversation. Right. It, it, that one almost seems unfair because it's not really like about anything that he's done as much as it's just sort of a numbers situation there with Ortiz. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, what is Aaron Hicks when Cedric Mullins returns? Um, that factors in a little bit to my Mountcastle playing decision mm-hmm. because I agree with you. I don't think they're about to option Mountcastle this time. I think if he comes back up, and is so unproductive over a two weeks. I, I think you're you're right that there is a point at which they at, might. At, yes. They might just to you know they're not going to release Ryan Mountcastle this season. Right. Um, they might hope that there's some team out there that views him as a reclamation project that yeah, they that could you throw in suddenly mm-hmm. instead of throwing in two prospects. Mm-hmm. You say, hey, we got Mountcastle and Norby for such and such right. pitcher or something like that. That's a possibility. Um, but it gets back to how how it impacts um, it impacts uh, the first base situation. Wait a minute, I forgot what we were talking. We I was talking about what is Hicks after Mullins. Hicks, Hicks to me is is most likely the fourth outfielder, but with Santander potentially doing a little more first DHing and first base. Mm-hmm. You know, especially 
That's why Mountcastle becomes almost a redundancy. If Hicks is hitting and Santander is hitting, why would you want to play Mountcastle? I, I, you know? Look, he's been good enough against lefties that I could see yeah. the the value that they yep. think that would exist with him in the lineup against lefties. Yep. I will go back to one point that we Jim Hanneman came in this week and sat with us on a Monday, and we were having this conversation. And his argument was, I do still think the threat of power is important because all of a sudden a lineup with fewer threats of power like pitchers think about that that even if you're not performing at the level the threat that i could throw a ball that could be turned around and launched 400 feet the other way is relevant and i understood what he was saying but i still don't think it can justify a more at bats for someone who's not giving you productive at bats. Yeah, I think we're all kind of look. You know me; I've been very off of Mountcastle's side for a long mm-hmm. while. But I think what's going on with him is kind of stunning. Oh, I agree because he is such a great athlete and has this tremendous power tool. But it's just for whatever reason, and you wonder. I'm not saying the Orioles made up the vertigo thing. I'm just, no, but, but they, I wonder, is it is it really vertigo or is it the same thing that Jorge Lopez is going through there, which is failure at such a level that you just really don't know how to handle it and I, it becomes an anxiety. I think thing. we were all asking these questions the first couple of days where he was sit where he was sat down. Yep. I think we kind of just believed he was getting benched. You know, benched versus a timeout, a de- right? A decompression, like, right? That's. I think that was more of what we all thought it was. Yeah. Was just a hey, let's take a few days, let's see if we can't. Well, get- there's this new term now, and uh, we were talking about D.L. Hall. He's been sent it's down deloading. To, yes, deloading. Deloading. I heard the same thing with Anthony Rendon. Was load management. Was that they really use load management? They, Did they really yeah, say that? It was. It would be in the right because I have him on my fantasy oh my team. Word. They were taking him out of games, like in the seventh inning. They said for load management. Okay, that's when he came back from injury number two. Okay, he's now on injury number three. I I had not heard that they were going with load management. That is yeah. well, now he got hit on the wrist. Well, of so. course you can understand the Angels are likely to make a deep playoff run like they do every year. So yeah. you can understand why it is that they want to think about that now. Is they're so well, they used were lucky to, to get Gio Urshela. That's true. Gonna to back up. <laughs> oh is, no, he's hurt yeah, too. Yeah, that is true. They had three it? infielders go on the IL in two like oh. two and a half days. Mm-hmm. Rendon Neto first who was on my fantasy team, then Rendon, and then Urshela. And Urshela, they th- don't think will play again Well, this one year. of them, that's really? that's not on them. That's on you. Like, you kind of screwed up. I don't them. have Urshela. I but have the, Rendon. I said one and, of them. I yeah. said one of them is on you. You yeah. kind of did that to them. All right, so let's go back for a second, right? Yeah. So I think we're all, again, we're okay. We know Mullen, Mullins, of course, has to be back and is your everyday center fielder, and we're okay with McKenna going and that. We're I'm also- going to let you slide on that, Why? that everyday center fielder part, because I actually think the best offensive, the best defensive lineup the Orioles could present outfield wise mm-hmm. would be Hayes and right, Hicks in center, and Mullins in left. Although talking to Luke Jackson, Luke makes a very interesting point: the the outfield in left field right. is so large here mm-hmm. that. 
you need a strong arm out there. I, I think the arm. I also. Th- I still think Hayes that is playing such a great left. Field, he is playing right. very good left field, and I still think that I have seen more range wise from Mullins in center than I have from Hicks. I've he I, he's I, faster. He's a little bit younger. He's three right. years like or four are, years younger. But but what what I've seen out of Mullins that long term sort of scares me. I see him go back, and I'm so comfortable he's going to catch the ball. And then he like leaps, and the ball is. It's like, happened a couple times. It's I've happened no, about three or four times. This I, year. I, what I would say is I, that might have happened a couple of the balls. I only, don't. I, I agree with you that he's going to go back to center field. I, and I still like. I, I'll point out on Wednesday those two balls that were both over Hicks's head that he mm-hmm. really never kind of even made an right. effort at. Right. I don't know that Mullins would have gotten those balls. Right. But I think he would have made a play on those balls and would have had a chance to get at least one of those balls. Whereas I understand how you're describing that to me. I think Hicks is such a good outfielder. But he's very smart to that, be in position to play. Positioning I, I, himself I understand everything count. you're saying about that. Yeah. I did think he was smartly. I'm going to make yeah. sure nothing worse happens right. in this situation right. than what should happen. What here. I've seen with Mullins is on the plays I'm talking mm-hmm. about, three or four times he's turned a double I into a triple by trying to make a dramatic catch and it's balls that are like high and over him mm-hmm. he's to me he's having a little bit of a hard time picking them up i think hicks takes a truer route to where the ball is going to be mullins gets in the area mm-hmm. um, but so let's know. i mean keep flushing this out we're okay if mckenna and lester are gone even if we're not over the moon about Mountcastle at the moment, we're right. not going to cry any tears over Lester being gone. Like right. nobody's going to be worked up about that. Mrs. Lester so, might. Mrs. Lester would probably be very disappointed. But the rest of it, and I don't want to say a negative word. Josh Lester is right. Been basically anything that you could expect from Josh Lester. I don't think he's disappointed it's anyone. Been the best Josh Lester I, he can be. I think that's actually one hundred percent accurate. That he's given you everything we possibly imagine. That that's Josh not Lester something I could do. I, I couldn't I, be the fact, best Josh. Lester. I would not be a very good Josh Lester. I don't. Th- I think I'd be an average Josh Lester. <laughs> Everybody knows me. I'm more of a John Lester type. Right. right. That's right. that's more my skill set. So so we flush that forward, right? Those two guys, okay, we're okay with them going for these two guys. Now we go back to the original thing you Except said. that Hyde loves McKenna. That is true. He does so love McKenna. it could McKenna. be Ortiz. It could be Ortiz. And I think okay. I would be a little bit more, that would be a bit more indefensible to me if it was Ortiz. But I also understand they haven't really found room for Ortiz to be playing because they're unwilling to move off of Mateo at shortstop. Right. Like, the thought to me was that at some point, if you're making a move on Mateo, it's because you want to see Ortiz every day playing shortstop and figure out what you have with him. So if the answer ultimately is, well, we just aren't going to have room for him, okay, fine, he goes back down for a little while. At yeah. some point, you got to figure out what the what the deal is. With Are you just accepting Jorge Mateo forever as being a next-to-nothing hitter? And you can say, yes, he's been slightly more productive of late, but that slightly more productive is like a – 240 on base percentage it's still not justifiable it's still not something that you can say hey that's good enough that you can accept it but let's go to the next the other part of what you said which is we're also thinking that we're weeks overdue on Westberg and Kowser so if those two guys are already gone what are you doing if with Westberg and Kowser like what what is the thought process there and I have genuinely no idea at the moment. Yeah, I think the, Michael Elias is being extremely patient. The Orioles have proven over, what, 75 games now they've played, 74, mm, 75 yeah. games. And, and you'd have to say the second half of last year. 
So that would probably throw in another 50 or 60. 73. So they played 73 this year. And let's say the last 50 games last year, they've proven that this group can can be winning games 100%. at a regular rate and, and contend. Their next thing is they have to carefully measure themselves against Tampa, the Yankees, Toronto, uh, um, yeah, well, and the other wild card Texas, Seattle. They got to measure themselves, and they've got to be better than they are. And I think this nine game, the nine games they're playing at home, mm-hmm. and then the 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 other seven games yeah, before the wild, the all star in New York, yep. and then and back three in Minnesota. In Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's that uh, nine and says sixteen games. Mm-hmm. I think at that point. Michael Elias is going to measure how do I get better for the second half of the year because I don't think they're just going to be satisfied being a polite, oh, they made the playoffs, and I think he wants to take a run at it. Well, I think what you're speaking to is they've, they have not – but there's no reason for panic, but they have sort of fallen back to just slightly over 500 baseball over the course over the of the last, last three 15, weeks. 16 right. games. Yeah, right? Like, like they have been playing just above – They've avoided disaster. Right. They got the sweep of the Royals that they, of course, should have gotten. Right. That lifted Everybody up. Everybody does. You better get that sweep over the Royals. Except the Tampa didn't. That's correct. The Tampa lost last night. That is correct. The Royals. Um, they've they've done they you know they won a series in San Francisco, which as we've seen, San Francisco is very good. So that was a very good thing to do. And they won a series against the Blue Jays. So there's right. enough things in there that make you say, okay, everything's good here. Like there's right. no actual, even a split with Tampa is. Totally fine because that's the best team you in know, baseball. We're only two games behind them in the loss column now. We've got five they games lost last in, night, right? Yeah, five games yep. in hand. Yep. Uh, we play five more games than they have. And you've got a winning record against Tampa for the season, yep. right? Like, there's yep. enough things that you can look at and say everything's good here. Yep. But it, the more recent trend is kind of just over 500 ball, and that's fine. And probably if you play just over 500 ball the rest of the way you're going to be in good shape. You'll almost certainly make the playoffs playing just over 500 ball for the rest of the season. But you're probably not going to win the division playing just over 500 ball. Correct. And, you know, I I don't know how good you're going to feel going into the playoffs if you play just over 500 ball. So I think the point that you're making of, okay, if you use these next 16 games, it still seems dramatic to me that you're leaving both of those guys down there for another couple of weeks. Like that seems Kowser and yeah, and um, and Westbrook and Westbrook. Yes. Yeah. It seems way over the top when there's literally nothing more for them to accomplish. Right. A couple of people have brought up like Kowser could have improved against left-handed pitching. I, I guess right. Like right. I guess I don't. I don't know how long you wait on that versus saying, hey, the totality is pretty freaking good. Yeah. That I mean, you can wait an entire season and hope that he becomes the greatest hitter in the history of baseball in the process. Like, that's. And I'll tell you the the sick thing is Heston Kershaw. Oh, fifty one at right, bats, nuts, four home it? runs down there, three thirty three batting average versus Mountcastle, zero for eight, mm-hmm. four strikeouts. I mean, I'm not. But that you know. that to me, Stan, speaks to. There's even bigger picture questions here, which is. Oh yeah. If if I don't see Ryan on this team next year. R- right. Like I'm pretty sure that I agree. Unless with, it's Ryan Ripken making a think, comeback. I don't think he's going to make the team. I like Ryan, but I don't think he's going to make the team either next year. The, I think the other question is, as much as we've talked about acquiring, if you're certain that Heston Kerstad is your everyday right fielder next season. 
How about everyday first baseman? You think that Kerstad's first at that I point? I think it's a possibility. I, I do think they like Santander in right field. Yeah. I, I'm saying, is there a point at which you start exploring going both ways at the deadline, right? Like, we talked about this a year ago. Is there a point at which you're saying, if we're going to spend some prospects to acquire a bat, do we start thinking about Santander's long-term future in Baltimore? Right. And if we're certain that Kerstad's going to be the guy next year, it seems impossible. You would have to acquire a bat this Santander's, year. Santander's value is going to really come into play, the, the calculus of how they move forward on mm-hmm. this team. Right now, I think Mountcastle has gone the opposite of getting better. Of course. I think he's regressed tremendously. And I think Santander has done what very few players I've witnessed over the last, say, 25 years since I've really followed strike-out-the-walk ratio mm-hmm. that can kill you. Santander has done – you know, if you look at Santander's first – that first good season he had where we went, wow, this is really – I forget, was it uh, 18? 18 or – was it 18 or 19? I, for, I forget All which right. year. Well, but, but look at the on-base percentage. He had a horrendous last six weeks – the one base percentage was 296. It was 19. So what was, was his one base percentage? And it was 297. 297. Yep. What was it the next year? 315. 315. Yep. He's now a in fairness, a, that was the smaller sample size. That was right. the pandemic year. That was the pandemic. Yes, and what you, was he the next year? Uh, he actually dipped again, back to two eighty six. Okay, but what was he and then last, last year? year three eighteen, this year three twenty eight. Right. Yes. He's he's done something that is very very difficult to do, which mm-hmm. is get in the habit, get out of the habit of swinging at, at pitches that you can't really hit. Well, most people would say that's the Orioles' special sauce, right? Like if yeah. there's a special sauce that exists within the hitting concept, it is the we were just talking about it with Judd Fabian yesterday, yeah. right? Like that being that, more disciplined. That is there. That they are preaching it level yeah. to level throughout yeah. the system. Everyone that is here is going to be more patient and yeah. is going to take more pitches, except for maybe Ryan Mountcastle. Um, but that's that is if if you pointed out something that has except been Ryan Mountcastle. Right, look, I'm not, I'm not. I'm really Ryan Mountcastle is a nice guy. I really don't He's like. He's a terrific guy. I really don't like dumping on Ryan Mountcastle, but you know it's. You're, facts try, you're, facts. you're trying to win a World Series right facts now. That's facts, the reality. Yeah. You got to make decisions trying to win a World Series in the next. How they? I got to be honest with you. How they sort this out. Is that's why Mike I, Elias is I, making what he's I agree, making, but I think and I'm in point, here as of oh know, sure hanging out on a Friday, hanging out on <laughs> a your, Friday, in your Adidas tracksuit. Like I get it, <laughs> I understand. Well, he might be wearing his Adidas tracksuit today too. I don't know what what Mike Elias is wearing, but I I get I do feel like what we're coming up on is there has to be a dr- dramatic decision made at some point. Yeah. That the Orioles have been able to do this all year without making dramatic decisions. You know, it feels dramatic, right? Whatever they do, yeah. But it sure as hell beats the the oh, way the uh, team played uh, no in question, eighteen, right. nineteen, nobody's, twenty, and twenty one, and twenty. But I I think we're just getting to the point where you can't keep just sort of shuffling the deck chairs, yeah. and yeah. at some point you have to do something that's a bit more bold. Whether that's saying, "Look, we just don't have room for Ryan Mountcastle on this roster because Jordan Westberg should be on this team." Yeah. We need Jordan Westberg here, and if we're making a roster move, we should be making it for Westberg and not for Mountcastle. Right. And, you know, all the talk about maybe you're protecting him for a trade, I just refuse to believe that teams are sitting around saying, 
boy, we might like Westberg, but what's important is that we see him do it for six more weeks at AAA. Right. That's and how we'll and know. And protect he's... Ryan Mountcastle's trade value yeah, when he correct. might hit 230 at Norfolk. Maybe. You know. Yeah, maybe. This is a guy who four years ago, and seriously, eight at bats is an awfully small sample yeah, size, right. but 0 for 8, four strikeouts. That sounds like what I'm seeing Ryan Mountcastle do at the major league. I understand. Level. I completely understand. I, I just feels like we are on the cusp of something's got to give. Yeah. Something that you don't necessarily want to do. And again, whether that's Mateo. And again, the difficulty there is I think the Mateo move would be Ortiz. I don't think they're doing Mateo for Westberg. I don't think they're doing Mateo for Henderson unless they've suddenly. Have they also on the pitching side, have they all and I'd be curious what Griffin sees. Have they all but decided that they made a mistake acquiring Cole Irvin? Let's. You know what? I mean, why have, don't we? Why don't we talk about that on the other side? Okay. Why don't fine. we talk about that on the other side? Why don't we they get? It sure, seem like they have zero well, confidence. Because I think there is a question as to what you do. Maybe there, you play him at first base and maybe this pitch, solves everything. Use Mountcastle as a pitcher. <laughs> we'll talk about that next. What? Where do we think they are with Cole Irvin and the fifth spot in the rotation, which? They're leaving Sunday open, but they don't really need that spot until Tuesday. Tuesday would be the date that they would need a fifth spot in the rotation. So we'll talk about that next. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us this morning. Today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. We're offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sportsbooks here in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sportsbooks. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 800 Gambler. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR, Stan the Fan Charles in studio with us. Stan, last night you had a really interesting conversation with a guy I like a heck of a lot who's done a pretty damn good job given given what he was tasked with some time ago. Yeah, uh, Frank Ramish, who we know and love, and he's the general manager of the building down there that is CFG now Bank the Arena. CFG Bank Arena. Uh, and that's their website, cfgbankarena.com. You can see the schedule of events coming up. Uh, he's done a just a tremendous job over the years. It's not totally a sports venue, and of he's course. very honest about that. Yeah, and like, and I think it's it's time to be honest about it. Baltimore is a baseball, football. We got the Terps. We got the local college teams. We got lacrosse. We just ain't going to be an NHL or a or a uh, NBA city. You can have an occasional game, and as he's because I think a lot of people would say, well, what about you know minor yeah. league, whatever minor league hockey? What he, about? He's very blunt about that. It it, just and, he's, and he's right; it's not going to make it. It doesn't justify giving up the weekend dates that are you have in order for those teams to, types of teams they, to they succeed. They have to have decent they need to, dates. They need to right. play on the weekends. They can't play all their games on Tuesdays. Right. And you, as you're trying to make money in a building, can't give up your weekend dates because they're the most desirable dates that you have. Right. So. You're left with what you're left with. Yep. At some point in the future, if Baltimore wants to have those teams, they're going to need to build a 5,000-seat building somewhere, 8,000-seat, whatever it is, or do what the Blast did and go play at Towson. Right. I don't think you can do hockey at Towson. No. Um, no. But if you want to have hockey, you're going to have to build a building that's specific to that, that's a more Correct. suitable um, you know, it ain't. Capacity. It just ain't happening. Correct. I don't see it happening. Yep. You know, That doesn't mean – that they can't get the Capitals to play their perhaps, you know, uh, more than an exhibition game? I don't know. I think the Wizards, they could get to play a game or two every year in Baltimore and sell them out. Perhaps. You know? uh, and I think the, the larger thing would be to get, like, a e first round of an Eastern region Correct. or something like and that. And I know there's a lot – everybody in the city is very, very – it is a priority – Clearly, the CIAA tournament has been a priority for the city, but it is a future priority for all parties involved. To bring NCAA in. Correct, there. to get it back. Yeah. Um, so that is available. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab. Go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. You can see it in all of those places. 
Stan, you brought it up before the break, and you wanted Griffin to break it all down because he is our noted pitching expert, Griffin Bass. Well, the pitching ninja wasn't around. Yeah, we well, man, we should invite him back on. He was a great guest. Yeah, he's very good. We'll invite him back on at some point. Um, Cole Irvin, they decided to put him in the bullpen and not – and, again, they had two off days this week, so it was a kind of a goofy week. And But they also didn't need to use – they could have just used their regular bullpen – because they didn't need the regular bullpen the next day either. They didn't have to go to Cole Irvin at that spot, but they did. Now they they have not announced a Sunday starter yet, but there's no reason to skip Kyle Bradish. He's been good. You don't need to do that. They don't need a starter until Tuesday. So where are they with Cole Irvin? Who should start on Tuesday? What do you do with the fifth spot? Well, uh, unfortunately, that's the one area this team doesn't have a tremendous number of live options. You know, the biggest all. live option is Grayson Rodriguez. And Grayson, frankly, while he's pitching good down there, I don't think he's done anything that tells me he's ready to do better at the big league level than he did most of the time. You know, I think if he starts 10 games, he might be dominant in three of those games. You need a guy like like Grayson to be dominant like eight or nine of those 10 games. The one thing that you'd point out is before the last start, he had struck out 21 over the the 12 innings that he had pitched in his two starts before that, right? Like that that was – The strikeouts aren't the problem. It's it's matching up the ratio of strikeouts to walks and walks per inning. And frankly, if if his walks were under better control, his whip would be like 0.8. Nine or something like that. I think it's 1.26, which looks good on paper, but you're walking guys and he gives up home runs at such an alarming rate at the big league level right now that I don't, I don't trust him. You know, now if you were talking about who could we bring up to be a long man out of the bullpen? Okay. So I would be comfortable with him doing that. This is the point. And as Griffin, I have discussed it this week. My bigger point in Grayson isn't even necessarily that I'm confident in him as being you know a a dominant every fifth day starter as much as it's I don't think that you should be using more innings of Grayson Rodriguez's in the minor leagues Mm -hmm. that whatever the innings number is for Grayson Rodriguez this season he's pitched as many in the minors as I need to see him pitch that his innings at this point should now come at the major league level to your point I don't know that that's six innings every fifth day. I don't think it is six innings every fifth day. And so whether See, that's I'm going to a- take exception with you for one reason, and that's the pandemic. Grayson never got I, that buildup of pitching development I innings. So to me, saying I don't want him wasting those innings in the minor leagues, at a certain point development has to, to supersede Worrying about whether he's here for the World Series or not. It's not even necessarily about whether he's here for the World Series because I don't think the Orioles are going to be in the World Series this season. It's it's more. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's more to me. I don't think you have enough good options anywhere to continue. Honest to God, total arms that you are confident in this season. Six, six. 
Well, they they yeah, the bullpen now has got very shaky yeah. to me, you know. And I'm still putting Cano in the group that I have confidence in and he's uh, been, yeah, you know, yeah. He's going to be okay. Yes. Um but but it's not an automatic. It's not what we yeah. what, what it was yeah. for the first month that he and was nobody here. And it is for 100%, very long. 100%. So you got him and him yeah, you, you have know, the two you at the back him, end the of the bullpen. Two, the, the mountain and the rock. You have. And and Bauman, I, you know, I don't know. He's like the that bullpen of Baker, Bauman, and... Um, CNL Perez. CNL Perez, Baker, CNL Perez, Bauman. They're like, they're like the Forrest Gump box of chocolates. Yep. You open it up and you don't know what you're going to get. Bauman and Baker have been... Better than the other, you know, like yeah. Perez has been a disaster. Let's, you know, let's we yeah. can't sugarcoat that any nope. longer. And nope. both was always a disaster. Like Coulomb was the guy who's still done been well. Good. He's yeah. closer to the, you know, the able pen. Can you imagine him and Cano, aside from Bautista, yeah. have been the best two guys sure. out of the bullpen? Sure. And they were one of them we didn't even think would be on the team this year in right. Cano, and the other one was picked up as a last minute. You know, let go by the twins who were probably trying to get him through waivers to send him to Triple A. Yes, because the guy they brought up to replace him is this guy Brent Hendrick or Brett Hendrick. Hendrick, his earn run average. I mean, he'd be, he's a disaster. Well, he might yeah. be in here Cano if he was here, though. That's yeah. that might be the case. I, 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 the problem for me is more the totality of the arms that you have is so small that I got to start piecing things together and figuring out how to best use the arms that you have in order to skin this cat. And this goes back to the things we talked about at the beginning of the year, the piggybacking ideas. The, you've got to figure out a way that you're using the arms you have in order to get there. If you're saying my priority is I think Grayson Rodriguez, we got to do everything we can to figure out how to make him a number you know, a number two starter next year at the MLB level. Uh, okay, I mean, I hear the argument, but I right now it's causing you to spend more innings on guys that aren't deserving of those innings, whereas I think you can get better innings, not six of them, but better innings from Grayson Rodriguez in some capacity, and that's why I wouldn't continue to have him throw minor league innings. Yeah. I would... He would be here to me to get whatever innings you can get out of him and go from there. Uh, unless... I'm a, just a really poor judge of talent or a poor judge of the context in which Cole Irvin pitched the last two years, meaning he was pitching for the Oakland A's. There was no pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, the ballpark is a is a pitching-friendly ballpark because yep. all, all the, the foul space territory. Yeah. Foul territory. Um, I, I'd sure want to – I'd sure roll the dice and see what I got with him. I know it looks bad. Uh, you know, it has looked bad at times, but – I, I saw him last year. I'm telling you, after the first three starts of the year last year, his next 16, 17 right. starts were were really, really good. So, I, and and clearly somebody in the Orioles was watching those games, and you know it's a head scratch. I, I understand. But what they've done now is they've created because he's a humble guy. He's not a cocky, arrogant guy. He's got a lot of self-doubt now himself, I think. I mean, but I don't know that that's on the Orioles as much as on him. Like, if if you want to say initially they could have tried to ride it out a little bit longer, I I guess. I, I don't know. He came up and he was pretty good against Kansas City. But again, I, I don't know how to measure anything that you do against Kansas City. He was a disaster against Chicago. I, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. 
I don't know what they do. I don't know how they can say we have faith that you know we can stick yeah, through they, this thing. Uh, to me, it's pretty clear that this organization doesn't have faith in Cole Irvin. Uh, so again, what do you do with him if if you're not gonna if you're gonna use him so little at the major league level? I think he'd be much better off increasing his trade value. You know, somebody. If he wins 13, 14 games at AAA, there's always going to be questions about him, but some team is going to take a shot on him. Maybe. Yeah. You know, that might be the case. And then you, I, and then you grab a grab a bullpen arm, that, which the Orioles will compare, apparently develop out of thin air. So. Well, and, well, you say that. I mean, they got one, right? <laughs> like, well, Coulomb. Yeah, Coulomb. That's fine. I, I, think we were, I think we were quick to say that the Orioles were creating some sort of system in which they could just develop anybody, and I, I don't think the actual results – it's fair to say that's fully true. I mean, you could argue right now that the Orioles' biggest need is somebody to take, more or less, take Dylan Tate's spot. You know, is to acquire another Dylan Tate type person. Mm -hmm. Now, you might not want to do that, but you well, might have might to give still, up one. They possible. might still be hoping that Dylan Tate can be that guy. Yeah. I just yeah, but um, I think for all intents and purposes. If even if he is can be that guy, you're looking at probably August before he's that guy, you know. And this is a pretty important month coming no, up. No, there's no doubt about that. We're only on June 23rd, right? Yeah, there's yes. no, there's yeah. no doubt about yeah. that being an important thing. And I think the other difficulty is, and we, you and I talked about the Tyler Wells innings thing. I wrote about it this week, and then you know, of course, he followed up with one of his worst outing of the season. Yep. But some of that is on his defense as much as it is on his, you know, the two yeah. home runs that he gave yeah. up. Um, they There's a general innings problem that goes beyond this, right? Well, like, the starting rotations barely yes. is scratching out five innings a game. And some of that is on, on the pitcher's pitch counts. In other words, I understand Brandon isn't anxious to get a Kyle Bradish or Dean Kramer throwing 120-plus mm -hmm. innings, but – it was a real shame the other night that you had a seven to nothing lead, and you didn't have more faith that that Bradish could get, th or you were that yep. nervous about the pitch count. I think he was at ninety two or ninety four after five. It was ninety two after five. Ninety one. Two. Ninety two. I would have sent him out to start the sixth inning, uh, covering four innings in a game that you had a seven nothing lead, and you're still up seven to two. And you're throwing it out to guys that you don't really know what you're going to get. Uh, he essentially had to use everybody in the bullpen that night. He did, and I, you know, the, I think that's I knew you had an extra off day. And to, that is part know. of the conversation. They were only yeah. playing two games in four days, so they had room to use yep. the entire bullpen. And we talked about. I think it was easy for me in hindsight to say that, but in the moment, I was not thinking like, "Oh, this is a disastrous decision." Because right. in the moment, I was thinking, "Geez, just get." I was like. God, really? I really got hit that hard? And I know when Bradish loses it, it can go pretty mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and you were starting to see yeah. that trajectory go the other way, yeah. so I kind of understood at that point. But I think it speaks to, for as many times as someone has said, well, hey, if you acquire a pitcher, who are you kicking out of the rotation? I think the answer at some point is the innings are kicking somebody out of the rotation. Yeah. It's not I, – I, I'm not saying Dean Kramer or Kyle Bradish or whoever doesn't deserve – to be in the rotation right now. It's a there is an innings problem that is creating the need for the Orioles to have to acquire something as far as pitching is concerned. Yep. 
And, and I'm just saying the easiest route might be going. We're, we don't want to give up what we'd have to give up to get that that you know right, number one road, guy yeah. or something. The easiest route might be figuring out what you could give up. Just say it. The easiest and route is getting Jordan Lyles. That's the answer. Go ahead and no, make, no, the, no, make no, the move. Rescue. We got to rescue. Go get, go get your guy. No. You can say it. No, it's okay. No, no, no. No, that's no. not. You don't think that's For the, the post game interviews, no. No. no All no. right. Those interviews enough. were awful. 0 and 15. Yeah. 0 and 15. Not him, but the team is in yeah. his starts. So. I don't remember how many of them he's taken. He's like probably 10, most of them. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about somebody like Buck's right hand man, Adam Adovino. It's time to go get Adam Adovino. It's time to go. It's never that time, but it's time to go get old Adam. Tommy Hunter's available again. Tommy Hunter's back out there, baby. All right, you know, I'll leave him out there. Oh, you're gonna leave him. Well, out I like there. Tommy. Tommy's a good guy. I agree. He's a great. He is a lot of fun, but. He'd go to the Weezer concert with I you. bet he would. I bet he – and he would probably buy all the beers. He would probably purchase all the beers and carry them all back to the seat. Somehow you see a man walking back to his seat with 13 beers, and you say, that's amazing. How did you How did you do that? Um, I feel like there was something else Orioles related that I wanted to cover with you, but we've – I mean, I'll, oh, tell do, you do a guy, we... I'll tell you a guy that I would, I would be pick up in a heartbeat – is if I could go to the Kansas City Royals and they're supposedly shopping Chapman mm-hmm. and Barlow, mm-hmm. and yeah, I would I would take. I have a real problem with Chapman. What he did last year, quitting on the Yankees. Oh, I have bigger problems than that with yeah. Chapman. But but he's going to go somewhere, and Man. most likely, Jim Bowden was talking about today. Did you know the Dodgers bullpen is the 29th ranked bullpen? I did not know in that. baseball. I did not. Know uh, that. And he's basically saying they should they should give up whatever it takes to get Barlow and Chapman. But the guy that I would like to pick up would be that Carlos Hernandez. I think if you put – I think that's another Jorge Lopez in the making. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm not know, in other words, if you're going to go after, let's say, a Chris Martin of the Red Sox or something, you're looking at big bucks and they're going to want a really good – I think Carlos Hernandez could be had. Okay. Inexpensively. Is, are we just giving up on D.L. Hall altogether, you think? Like, no, they're, they're working on uh, right. D-load, working on stretching him out. You know? yeah. well, then, but D- then to, to, well, it always comes after you the You've got to stretch D-load. one way, then you got to yeah, stretch, stretch back the other, the other way. That's yeah. a great point. It's like a yoga. It's like a yoga tantric. Thing. Makes all the sense in the world. If you're doing really, that. trying to figure out what they're trying to do with him. You know, And I have a great deal of respect for Mike. We come in here and overanalyze what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's done a fabulous job, uh, and I'm not saying I could do a, a better job uh, at that because I wouldn't know all the waiver rules. I'd have to get somebody like Griffin right. as yeah, my to, assistant to general that. manager yeah. to tell me what I could do. And he's got nothing do. going on. You, uh, <laughs> everything. Got, We're getting everyone. He's got, yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Just go go get everybody and go uh, that but, way. But figuring out what, they're, what makes sense, like, Making him a relief pitcher now doesn't rule out the point like that a year and a half from now you couldn't say, okay, he's adjusted to the major leagues. We need a starter. We're going to spend the offseason getting you ready, and you're going to start games again. But right now – you talk about a wasted talent. That I, that is wasted talent. It is extraordinarily frustrating. Extraordinarily. Uh, you didn't happen to watch any of the College World Series game last night, did you? No. It was, was that Wake Forest awesome. LSU? It was all. It was scoreless until the eleventh <laughs> inning. I mean, it was uh, Skeens and Louder, who are 
two of the top ten picks in the draft this year going toe-to-toe. Dave Odom still coaching Wake Forest? No, I don't think Dave Odom is coaching Wake Forest these days. I don't think that's the case. It was unbelievable theater. I actually ended up spending a lot of time with that before LSU walked I it sh- off. I should have watched that instead of the uh, insipid interviews. Did you watch the NBA draft, really? The NBA oh, yeah. Draft, yeah. oh, yeah. I can't. I can't First put myself through First college that. World Series game in the aluminum bat era since 1974, where both starters went seven innings or more and allowed three hits or less. Did I just wake up and it's tidbit time? Uh, what, no, I was just throwing that in there because yeah, we were talking about yeah. it. I appreciate I'm kidding. That. I'm I kidding. appreciate that. Yeah, weird, mo- weird bit in the draft. Of course, the only really local interesting was Cam Whitmore, who crashed and fell completely out of the top 20. There were a couple of different things that I saw floating around. Some people were talking about there being a medical issue. Mm -hmm. Then Dick Vitale, of all people, said that he had heard that maybe people were concerned with him as a practice, like his, his habits and practice. Now, of course, you know, Dick was even saying, but that doesesn't make any sense. Like, he's too good of a player. Um I don't know. Look, he ends up with the Rockets, so he's the the first ever Anne Arundel County uh, native to end up being drafted in the first round. So congratulations to to him for that. But it was funny last night. Uh, I for some reason, you know, the Wizards I knew were number eight, and I'm watching them introduce the guy, and I forget his name, the French kid, Bilal Koulibaly. Yeah, yes. who was the Pacers drafted. Right, they traded. Yeah, and I go. God, he looks like a really tremendous player. Oh, you were you were. I feeling... said, I said, I wish the Wizards could get a guy like ah, that. And then, like that. five minutes later, the that's Wizards the, got the a guy thing, like, like that. It's like the NBA draft is so confusing. Like they don't. Oh, like they have the, the guys NFL, put the wrong hat. You know, they're going yeah. to a different team and they're wearing the hat of another. It's like the NFL makes it very simple. Ahead like of when t- a, like trade make, a, tra- a trade is a trade is a trade. So when we announce this is the team that you're going to play yeah. for. That is considering all this is as a television show. It's it very is absolutely badass insane yeah. that the NBA has never fixed that and made it sure that when we bring oh, this some guy's putting a Hawks hat on, but I thought the Mavericks right. are taking correct. it. Like it that is... was that was Luca and Trey Young, and that was like so confusing. Yeah. when it, they got drafted, very very dumb. I I tapped out on the NBA draft yeah. a long time ago. You are you do you're half a Wizards fan. You're a I'm you're, I'm, I'm like kind of I'm I'm very entertained by the prospect of what these two guys, Wink, Michael Winger and uh, Will Dawkins, are going to do as a president and GM, it looks like Ted Leonsis has sort of washed his hands mm-hmm. and turned it over to competent, you know. When you said longest... two guys, I thought you meant the two players that are on the roster. No, I'm talking about thought... those two guys. They're the most important guys, you know. Jordan Poole, a uh, Washington wizard after they that's – Interesting. They, that's what they got for Chris Paul. Jordan Poole thing is, like, for, for, a, for a minute, you genuinely believe that Jordan Poole was becoming a star in this league. Yep. He was becoming a high-level player, and then a year ago, he was non-existent. So if you're the Wizards and you've acknowledged that this is, we're blowing everything up, yes, he's the type of player that's worth taking a shot on because maybe he becomes a centerpiece or maybe he just becomes someone who has real trade value again next yeah. year. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't blame them for doing what they're doing. I just also don't know that there's a, a, a pot of gold at the end of this. I, it's not it's like er, it's early. You know, it's very early, it's very early, and you have to find. It would have been like like questioning whether the Orioles are really going to do something after drafting Rutschman. Right, I hear. You know, I mean, I hear you, but I, I think if you were a team that was at, at least when you get the worst record in baseball, you know, you were getting the number one pick. Yeah, right. The Wizards are going to win fifteen games next year and could end up with a number four pick in the yeah. draft. Right, like I, that's the and it's not even thought of as a particularly great draft next year right. either. Right, yeah, like you get Bronny James and then you get LeBron with that. 
uh, yes. You, you get the, you I mean, tried, we tried getting the washed up. Uh, and, and by the way, oh. no one thinks Bronny James is worth a number four pick either. <laughs> like, they're, they're, he's supposed to be in the 20s. That's where he is. But That's why he's got a chance to go to the Lakers. 100%. That could end up working out. I thought way. they were going to tra- trade Chris Paul. To, I thought the Lakers really were where yeah. Paul that, was come going. come up a couple of times. I yeah. think the Warriors made a very smart short-term move. Yeah. Know? I mean, I... I think he can help them. They're they're close to needing a total rebuild. They are. Yeah. They really are close to it, and they could really use that. Their bigger problem is that their draft picks, the guys they were, the Wiseman, Wiseman like, turned out to be a flop. that that has really hurt them because they needed to bolster with a legitimate player, and then them kind of acknowledging that Poole isn't that guy at this point. Now, I, where's Draymond Green end up? I think he ends up back. There. I don't think he actually leaves. I don't really. Him and LeBron were out in like Paris, and I, I got news for you. I think he ends up with Sacramento. Okay. The Lakers or the Nuggets. I, I, I the I fact could see him being very valuable for the Lakers. Here's what I would: the fact that they traded away Pool, right? Like the, the biggest argument oh, to me right. against Draymond was that he ruined Jordan Pool, right. right? Now that Jordan Pool's gone. I don't really know why the Warriors wouldn't. Wait, what? What are you doing other than to just say we're not paying the tax? We're not paying the taxes. Because he's a nut. I understand yeah. that, but he's been you. He's not like that. That changed. He's a, but but he's a nut that LeBron might be able to control. You know, maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, it, it worked. Be, for a long wouldn't time. basketball be more entertaining with him on the Lakers this I, coming? It year? would be entertaining. Yeah. You're not wrong about that. We come back in. We're going to meet the new Navy baseball coach, Chuck Rostano. We're going to find out why he decided to leave a pretty good job at Florida State as the pitching coach to come up and uh, lead this program. We'll do that next. Stan the Fan is here. It is a Friday edition of GCR. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Friday edition of the program. We're staying the fan here. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan, um, you mentioned, uh, we, we were talking about you had your show last night. You are going to be back to Monday this week, right, for? Monday the, and Thursday. Monday and Thursday this week, of course. Monday with uh, Luke and Ross Grimsley. And Thursday, you're talking. Uh, Gary won't be in, and we're going to be talking to, uh, it's funny. I'm just, Oddsmaker from the Superbook. Yep. Whose name I can't remember either. Yeah. I apologize. But well, his first name is Jay. Yeah, I've met him. He's a terrific guy. I think it's Jay Hart. I don't want to. It's right. ridiculous yeah, not yeah. to know it. And I was just looking it up when you asked me. Well, I didn't. I did put you on the spot, so no, I apologize. No, 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 no. Yeah, right. I should have known that. I I screwed I did up. Look it up, but is it Jay Cornegay? Cornegay? Yeah, I think that's or it. Cornegay. Yeah, Cornegay. Cornegay. There we go. Okay. Mm that? What did you hit the? I mean, I. Put Superbook. I put Superbook Ozmaker. Okay. And, uh, no, there, there you go. There you go. That's Jay Cornegay. So that'll be the guest next Thursday. Is, yeah, and as Stan will be, be me, me, myself, and I. It's better that way. Let's yeah. let's not. Stein is. He's uh, not. He's not listening today. Stein is in uh, San Diego. Oh. Is he doing the? He's not out there for the lacrosse, is he? He got some work out there. He did. Yeah. Announcing the big lacrosse thing. Is he really? No. Oh, okay. His daughter's getting married. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I'm happy for him. And then he's doing the lacrosse. I was gonna thing. be bitter because I, uh, I, I, I was in the, the that got underway this week. I was in negotiations a couple months ago to to work that event, and um, I I was not happy with the offer that they gave mm-hmm. me, and I said, I, I, I want to work the event, but. I gotta pick my life up for ten days and go out to San Diego. That's yep. that number doesn't work. And they said it'll work for somebody else. And I said, Well Yeah, somebody that's in San Diego. Correct. Correct. That's exactly what it'll work for as uh, the US beat Canada in the opener of the uh, World Lacrosse Championships on Wednesday. And now they uh, they will play all three nights this weekend as that tournament continues leading up to the championship next Saturday. Want me though now? Oh, they're they calling. They got in. to me on the list. Man, got to stay. Man, maybe I should have. All right, I'm, I'll take it back. I'll work ten days for one hundred dollars total. You, that's not. That's not the offer. I want to make that abundantly clear. That's not what they offered me. But yeah, such is life. That's the way that it goes. Uh, all right, so a couple of things. We are going to be joined by Chuck Rostano here in just a minute, new Navy baseball coach. And then later on this hour, we will make trips to Delmarva. We will chat with Ch- Trending Craig, and then we will go down to Norfolk to chat with manager Buck Britton. That's all on the way. Um, Stan, one thing that jumped out at me this week in general, right? Like we talked about the Wizards thing. We talked about the... It feels like the NBA free agency will hit next week, and that'll be all that anybody's talking about. And like all of these things, obviously, are very big stories. One thing that hit me this week: 
I know you're not a particular golf guy, right? Like, I know that's not your thing necessarily. I, I watch big time golf. Did you watch? I watched some of the uh, U.S. Open. Yeah. Okay. Were Were you watching with? I'll just watch the U.S. Open and whoever wins the U.S. Open. I I just want to watch the tournament. I or, was rooting for Ricky Fowler. That's that. Yeah. That was the part I found. I don't like golf at all. Right. And yet I found myself, even on Saturday of the U.S. Open, and part of this was the lack of the Orioles played in the afternoon. There was really nothing else going on on Saturday night that was worth watching. But I found myself watching Ricky Fowler, and I found myself saying this was compelling enough for me that I wanted to watch Ricky Fowler golf and see if he could finally win a a major major. championship. Um, Then on Sunday, as he kind of fell off, I... I found myself saying I don't need to I can go out and grill and enjoy crabs with my right, dad for Father's right. Day and the whole thing. I didn't find myself nearly as compelled by it at that point. And that was an interesting thing to me because I oftentimes complain about how we only pay attention to famous people within certain sports and we don't acknowledge and then I found myself committing the same sin when it, I wasn't actually interested in the golf right. and who won You're the golf. Just interested in Ricky I was Fowler. only interested now to me it was more storyline than fame. It wasn't right. You know, I don't know that. I guess Ricky Fowler is one of the more famous golfers because he has appeal. But it was more storyline there that I was glued to the storyline of Ricky Fowler. And once that storyline was gone, I had simply no interest in who was going to win the U.S. Right. Open. I'd you, never heard of the guy who did win. It's Wyndham Clark, Wyndham the winner Clark. of the U.S. And Open. He apparently, he won recently. He had won another tournament. Yeah. Yes, and is a real. Uh, he's, yeah, he's Drew, Drew yeah. would tell you that like the kid's talented yeah. and and yeah. can do some other things, and he certainly was bombing the ball out there. One of the other storylines that came out of the um, the U.S. Open was the lack of atmosphere, the lack of, and I again because I actually watched a little bit of it was interested by this storyline, which was that they have they apparently were looking for more of a corporate crowd, and what they got out of it was less energy less Mm -hmm. and that's interesting to me because i they do that by price of tickets kind of by price of tickets availability of tickets like we're taking more space for tents Mm -hmm. for high-end entertaining and we're giving less of the course to To, to, the the hoi polloi you know like the average person and that's an interesting thing because drew brought this up i think everybody saw the attendance for the preakness this year was like forty thousand people Mm-hmm. And my response was, I think they want it that way. Yeah. Like, I think they wanted a little bit more than that, but they had to shutter down some of the stands. Like 75 or right. 80. And though. like, when they, when they ever, if they ever get around to figuring out what this looks like, I think they'll try to find a number that's bigger than that. But in general, I don't think they ever want there to be 140,000 people at the Preakness again. I Not think, at Pimlico. I think mm-hmm. they want more big money, less people, more money yeah. spent yeah. by that person. I think that's going to be a bigger throughout sports issue as we've talked about some of the new baseball stadiums have sized down right like in miami places like that they've sized down they've cut out seats they've said this i think this is the trend that's going to come throughout sports and the trade-off might be atmosphere the trade-off might be there's not enough the same electricity yeah again i didn't as i was watching didn't i wasn't paying too much attention to it Mm -hmm. but i think the trade-off could very well be that the more you do this because you're looking at money, you're going to end up with less intensity from the people that are there. That's a fair way to look at it, yeah. I I think that they, 
in golf, most places you'd say, what the hell, it's golf, right? right? Like, are you really going there because you're getting rabid, you know, incredible crowds? Like, does that really make a difference? I don't know what the – football would be the really only the only sport. I'd just be interested in knowing whether the golfers like that 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 intensity. A couple of them brought up like the lack of, like that it was dead. Yeah, yeah. A couple of them brought that, that up. They didn't like it. It didn't fire. They them up. they weren't used to it. They right. didn't. You know, it was it was noticeable to them that that's yeah. the way that it went. Again, I'm not really sure what we're comparing this to. It's not. Most tournaments aren't like that thing they do out in Phoenix where everybody gets drunk and you know it's a party. Most tournaments aren't like that. So I don't. I don't know what the trade-off is or what they used to be expecting. I didn't. It didn't jump out to me. I didn't notice it the same way right. as I was watching the tournament right. that it was dead, yeah. per se. But apparently that was the case. All right. Uh, we got a lot to do this hour. Uh, Stan is with us on uh, a Friday edition of GCR. We're going to uh, spend a few minutes this morning getting to know the new baseball coach at the Naval Academy after he spent more than a decade as the pitching coach at Florida State and before that more than a decade at Notre Dame, where I think he just missed Trey Mancini, by the way. I think he missed him by like a year. It's a pleasure for us to welcome into the first time here on GCR, new baseball coach at the Naval Academy. He's Chuck Rostano, and he's with us here on GCR. Coach, it's uh, Glenn Clark, Stan the Fan Charles here in Baltimore. It's good to meet you. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on the gig. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm really excited to get going. Coach, I think the obvious question that jumps out at me, you've, you've had these great gigs at high-level programs and you know, probably made a, a fairly decent living out of that and could probably stay at Florida State for as long as you wanted to. Why take on a challenge at, and a unique challenge at the Naval Academy when you could have been you know, happy and at a place where it's much easier to recruit for the rest of your life? Well, I mean, I think happy is a relative term, and I think as you get a little bit older in the in your profession and a little wiser, I think, of course, really high-level competition drives you, chasing things like the College World Series and winning ACC championships drives you. But I also think uh, what kind of crystallizes as you mature and you become a parent is what you fundamentally want to become, what you want to be around, and, and what motivates you every day and the unique challenge is also to me the unique opportunity of surrounding myself with the very best and brightest young people that our nation knows being able to connect with them be part of the mentorship and leadership process and then of course fielding a competitive Patriot League championship level program are really all the reasons I felt in pretty strong alignment to this place and, and pretty well connected even just in my first couple of days on the job just curious chuck i'm stan charles how you doing nice to meet you doing great great um, to meet you stan in in this day and age i've been taken with how many major league baseball coaching jobs are now taken up by young assistant you know young up-and-coming instructors in baseball your staff is it going to be made up of more veteran type of coaches or are you going that route as well? I think we're going to find the right fit. I think my primary consideration as it, as it relates to our staff are going to be, of course, good, virtuous people who want to adopt the ideals and virtues of the academy. Yes, it's a challenge. Yes, we have significant academic restrictions and benchmarks. We have significant 
time constraints, which will force us to be efficient. We're able to recruit the entire country, which can be exhaustive, and it's not unlike what I had to do at Notre Dame. But I think primarily I want people who are engaged uh, and in alignment with the institutional mission. So before we even evaluate the skill set of the coach, I don't want to turn it into a situation where we think about all of the things we can't do because we are at such a special academy here. Uh, I want it to be more about the passion and drive to develop in a player development centered program, young people, but also to enjoy a fulfilling existence being a part of this process with these really special young people. Chuck Rostano is with us. He is the new head baseball coach at the Naval Academy. We're going to talk to him about a special connection he has to Baltimore here in a second. But, Coach, you know, I feel like a lot of times when you're thinking about you mentioned you know so many nice things about the academy and the young men that come here. Is there anything about your own background that made this – more intriguing to you? Was there anything about how you were brought up, somebody in your family that made you say, I know how special of a place that is. I want to be at that place. I don't have a direct connection to the Naval Academy, but I have a lot of military in my family. My son's godson, who's my cousin, he's like my older brother, was a Green Beret. And um, I got to see kind of that lifestyle uh, very forward. I, my grand, both my grandfathers served in World War II. Um, they were present in my life at a young age. I lost them when I was a lot younger than I, I had hoped to lose them. But they made a very, very profound impact on me. So the idea of a life and commitment to service uh, of our country is not foreign to me. Um, and that's something that I just always valued. The people that this place attracts and taking on that mission in life is, is such a special thing to me. I, I have this unbelievable admiration for our players that quite honestly, I haven't met yet. Hmm. Um, so, you know, geographically it's reasonably close to where I grew up. I am very, very family oriented. I want my, my parents, my children's grandparents to uh, be as present as they can. And that wasn't easy in, you know, in, in Northwest Florida. So that's obviously an added bonus, but you, you take this job and you move here and you move your family here because of, uh, yeah, I mean, a very special and personal connection to a place you haven't spent a whole lot of time at yet, but how special the place is is very, very forward, and it's one of the first things you notice when you set foot on campus. Chuck, I just wanted to ask, uh, you've explained to us very well why you wanted the Naval Academy. How did the Naval Academy ident- and Chet Gladchick identify you as the right guy? That's probably better question for chet uh, <laughs> i it's yeah it, it must be how handsome i am um, so I, I think, must be uh, your sense of, yeah. must be your sense yeah, of right? humor yeah uh, no i you know working for 12 years at notre dame i think there's a very special connection yep. between navy and notre dame and while we did not have the service component at notre dame we dealt with geography uh you know challenge of Competing in the North and the Southern Conference, that was a unique distinction. The most forward thing is the, the academic benchmarks you have to hit at Notre Dame, which creates a very distinct recruiting base. Um, the pride in the institution, what it means to be somebody who goes to the University of Notre Dame and takes on an, you know, an academic experience uh, that, that doesn't allow for um, kind of shortcuts. 
So I think my experience at a place like that, while the service component is not in play, allows me some degree of understanding of what I'm about to take on now. And I think that that, you know, that experience probably helped me in the process. Yeah, it made it a good fit. Mm. So the shame is that he's not still here yeah. to, to enjoy it with you. <laughs> I know where you're going with that. Yeah. But um, the story of your relationship with Trey Mancini was so special to us as we watched it unfold a couple summers ago in one of the more emotional uh, scenes that Orioles fans have experienced out at the Home Run Derby. Can, can you take me through you know, you, how that bond came between the two of you guys, what it meant to you that he wanted to have you out there with him to share that moment and – you know, look, he's one of our favorite human beings that we've ever come across in this city, and we stay in touch. He's, he's just such a special person. Just the, the entirety of your relationship with Trey. Sure, I'll give you the cliff notes. Uh, one, I, I don't think that's a unique thing when people say he's one of the most special people. Uh, there's very few people I've met in this industry and have met people in every level of this industry or at every level of this industry that um, – uh, you know, sometimes you're afraid to meet the heroes. You know, they may disappoint you, but Trey is truly the guy that people want him to be. You have absolutely no apprehension about, do I want my kids to root for this man, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but to take you through the evolution of the relationship, my first year at Notre Dame was his freshman year. Um, and over the course of time, I coached the pitchers. Trey was obviously a very prolific hitter. Um but I would throw him batting practice. I'm left-handed, so when we faced left-handed pitchers, I would throw batting practice. And we were always kind of like joke, uh, you know, about when he when he got drafted in, uh, I believe, 2013, he gave me the, like, you know, if I ever make it to the home run derby, I'm going to call you. <laughs> and, and, and in 2013, the Big East tournament had a home run derby that he won and I threw to him. So that joke was kind of tongue-in-cheek all the way up as he evolved as a minor leaguer and then obviously a big leaguer. And we would stay in touch. And it was mostly text messages. You're not bothering a guy who just made it to the big leagues. But we'd go back and forth quite a bit. And the, um, the cancer diagnosis rocked all of us. Sure. Trey, to me, was like a superhero. You know, um, he did everything right. Like, uh, people like him don't – and I know there's millions of stories like this. But people like him, like, bad things don't happen to him. And um, it rocked all of us. You know, even me from a distance. So when he went through it and he and he beat it, and um, he called me. You know, he was kind of through it. I was in the Atlanta airport. I was on my way back from a recruiting trip, and he he called me. You know, I saw Trey Mancini on the phone, and I was like, "This is going to be a good conversation." You know, uh, and the first thing he said to me is like, "Hey, hey, coach. You know, this isn't public yet." And before he could say anything else, in that like point five seconds. Uh, like, you know, you get that chill of like, mm. oh, is this bad? Is this a bad phone call? You know? And of course, you know, as soon as we cleared that, it was the most, uh, you know, jubilation in, in the Atlanta Delta terminal, you know, you try and keep <laughs> it together. And he asked, like, I told you, you know, I told you I'd do it. So I'm keeping up my end of the bargain and you end. And I, you know, I almost dropped the phone. <laughs> so you know, we, 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 we did it. They flew me to Colorado and I got probably 30 seconds worth of throwing to him before we had to go on like the big stage. Of course, <laughs> of course he was first. Uh, so you stand on the mound and you got to do introductions and national anthem and commercial breaks. So, <laughs> you know, you get iced. I felt like the field goal kicker that people were calling timeouts, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I mean, I think the first pitch I threw was pretty bad. 
And I'm glad nobody remembers that. Uh, <laughs> because he, end, he got to the finals, and, you know, he's just so gracious. The post-game interviews he included me with, to put me in that locker room with, with all of those superstars, like I felt like a big leaguer for the day. And um, it was just an unbelievable, like, gift. But the best gift is, like, that relationship that continues, you know, to this day. And I'm glad that he's, you know, I'm sorry he's not in Baltimore. This yeah. Been a hell of a, yeah, it would be yeah. really cool. It would have been a hell of a thing for me, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I'm, you know, Chicago is still close to Notre Dame, and his reverence for Notre yep. Dame is, is is really, really apparent. Um, we still stay connected. I was at his wedding this uh I was just thinking that. I was just rolling through my head. Yeah, wondering. Yeah, that was that – was, that was my first experience saying, oh, this is all right. This is how big leaguers get married. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but truly like the, the best human being on the planet. I, I've met, I've met people maybe as good as Trey, but I don't think I'll ever meet somebody better. Yeah. Good way to put it. I can't. I can't. I can't add to that anymore. I, you know, I I did want to know there wasn't another semi connection here. What? How good would Pat Connaughton have been if if he yeah, would have continued question. in baseball? Like, would, ah, you know, how? What, he would have pitched in the big leagues. Yeah, he would have yeah. absolutely pitched in the big leagues. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Pat had his flaws. Pat throws little strikes at times. Pat was quirky. Uh, he was pulled in a lot of directions. But the biggest thing Pat had. He had just the – when he walked into the room, you could tell a superstar was walking into the room. Yeah. And he just had the performance gene, whatever it was. And he could light up a room. He, you could have made him the face of the franchise. Um, there's no doubt in my mind Pat would have been pitching in the big leagues if he stuck with baseball. And I'm glad he's had a yeah, tremendous it, NBA career to this point. Yep. It's weird. Like, the time I knew Pat – and, and still continue to stay connected. It's almost like he wanted to make sure everybody knew he could do it in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like he had almost gotten, he never had a chip on his shoulder, but I think he really enjoyed proving to people that he was as good a basketball player as he thought he was. So it gave me an unbelievable amount of satisfaction to see him live that out because for so much of his existence, people would say, well, you know, he's going to give up basketball at some point. And to see him win an NBA championship and, again, like um, – Make a boatload of money. Incredibly – make a boatload – yeah, he traded the the buses for the minor – of minor league baseball yeah. and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for five-star five star hotels and private, private jets, you know. Um, but, like, grounded, you know, does so much in the community. He's still just like the Irish kid from, you know, the suburbs of Boston. His family is unbelievable. To answer your question, I have absolutely no doubt he'd be pitching for the Orioles right now. Dead, um, dead issue. had to perform. Like, is that a dead when issue? When the lights were on. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, when the there's those people that when the lights go on, they're at their best, and that's Pat. I had one. I had one other question, but I just wanted to throw in. Do you think that's an entirely dead issue? I'm old enough to remember seeing Dave DeBusher hmm. pitch at Memorial <laughs> Stadium, uh, and Gene Conley. I saw a pitch. I guess it's a different world today, and the economics are so crazy it couldn't work. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I think we may see it again. I mean, I think the basketball baseball thing is a really unique. Uh, the dichotomy of that is really unique. I mean, his 
his season in college would literally run into our baseball season. So, you know, we would never root against the Notre Dame basketball program. But the further they went, the yeah, worse news the for you, right? We'd have with Pat. Right. Yeah. And I will tell you, like, there is no bigger fan of Mike Bray than the guy you're talking to right now. Yeah, Mike's so a great guy. I was, yeah, super fan number one. I know here I am, the math, the high school coach Bray. Um, he's he's so special, and they were so generous with the time with Pat. There were a lot of late nights of him and I, like long tossing in the indoor facility while they were playing and. uh so, yeah, I think that was an interesting one. I've coached the football, baseball, two-sport athlete, the tight end for the the tight end for the tight end Bears right now, Cole Komet, probably would have been a professional baseball player oh, wow. if he wanted to be. So wow. Notre Dame had our share. We had Tory Hunter well, And Samarja, right? Yeah. Um, I did not coach Samarja, oh, okay. but he, he was, did it. Okay. He did it at a really high level. Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I, got, I got one so, last question for you, Coach, and I'm only asking you this because you're a pitching guy. Why don't we ever see a knuckleball pitcher anymore? Huh. <laughs> um, I think the short answer to that is we are hunting and attracting. Like arm, arm strength has become like the norm and mm-hmm. standard. And guys who have octane, guys who can spin a sure. slider. I think at the young levels right now, so much attention is being paid to how you spin the baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially like ne- completely negating that attention would be a knuckleball. I think your greatest chance of seeing a knuckleball pitcher is uh, like for lack of better phrasing, potentially a failed position player. Um, or or somebody know, come, or somebody coming back from injury perhaps might pick it up. Yeah, I think it's, I think most people wouldn't start there, but yeah. I think it's almost like, all right, well, let's, it's kind of like the guy you drop down to side on. You yep. know, you think, okay, yep. hey. Last chance, let's find a way to make you effective. Um, it's an issue, you know, the volatility of a knuckleballer. You don't see too many, like, pretty good knuckleballers. It's either you're great or you're know, like, no yeah. as a pretty good tightrope walker. You know, <laughs> um, you're either good enough to be Tim Wakefield or you're bad enough to be completely unusable, right? So, yeah. I think all of us are kind of hunting a little bit more consistency, yeah. Chuck Ristano, of course, new baseball coach at the Naval Academy. Coach, it's great to meet you. We look forward to see what it is that you're going to bring to the program in the coming years. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, and we will be in touch, all right? Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. Yes, so so honored and thankful. Uh, Thanks for taking the time. Looking forward to uh, starting my new life in Annapolis here. Can't wait to be part of the community. Awesome. Thank you, Coach. Coach Chuck Ristano, um, you know, it's a really interesting conversation, and obviously good, the connections. Good fit for the Naval Academy. Seems to be. Yeah. No no doubt about that. Interesting, Please. that connection with both I, Connaughton I did, and I did, I did not do my math right. Yeah. It, when, we, uh, when we post this interview later, we'll edit that part. So <laughs> I did not do my math right on that, and then went back, and I was like, wait a second. How'd you find it out that quick, though? Because I heard you say that, and you wrote me a note. That you didn't do well, your math I, right. I, I, I was just going, I had pulled up, you know, his bio earlier today. Right. And I just read it wrong. Right. The way that I was reading the dates. And then when I reread it, I was like, oh, I'm wait like, a second. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. And then as I was going through it, I'm like, wait, that's the guy. I even yeah. remember. Yeah. yeah I no, even it was an amazing story. It was an incredible it. story. All right. Uh, appreciate Coach Ristano taking a few minutes for us here this morning on GCR. Stan the Fan is here. A reminder that this print issue of Press Box is available at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box, you can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Um, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the day that we lost Unbelievable. Tony Siragusa. And Dave Ginsburg dove in 
on uh, Tony's impact and how his family is trying to continue his legacy. It's a really wonderful story that Dave Ginsburg wrote, uh, and it's uh, in this print issue of Press Box, which you can go get right now at your neighborhood at Royal Farms. It's time for us to make a trip down to Delmarva to chat with a member of the Shorebirds. Our next guest is hitting it pretty well this season. 319, getting on base at a 386 clip. That'll play. Trendin Craig from the Shorebirds is with us here on GCR. Trendin, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles here in Baltimore. It's great to meet you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. I know I know it had to be a frustrating sort of stretch for you this season. You come out lighting the world on fire to start the season, and then you get hurt. Um, like, it, Was there a part of you that was sort of like cursing the baseball gods? Like, what the hell, man? Everything was working well for me. What are you doing to me? I mean, I've been playing this game a long time, and, you know, injuries are a part of it, and, you know, you just it's pretty much not really so much of the injury it's just how you handle it that pretty much makes you um and i just knew that you know god had a bigger plan for me and everything happens for a reason so of course you know may have i may have been a little frustrated frustrated at first but just started to believe in myself and just know that i'll be able to shake back from things craig what was god as well craig what was the injury um i had a i injured my hamstring muscle okay okay and and everything it's, it seems like everything still is fine now. Sixteen game on base streak for you. What has been clicking for you this season, Trend? And what has been the thing that's been working for you the most um, aside from the injury when you've been able to be out on the field? Um. Well, honestly, just you know, when I got injured, just you know, getting back to myself, just building my body up to be strong. Um, I feel a lot stronger than I did before. Actually, I got hurt. Um. And just mainly just getting my timing back, being comfortable in the box, and just settling in. And I believe that's really what's been clicking for me, just being ready to hit at all times. Uh, it, it's working, including, you say at all times, like even on the first pitch of the game sometimes, right? Exactly. Yeah. You always got to be ready, man. Hey, man, if they groove one to you, you got to turn it around. <laughs> like You can't let everybody have any cheapies. Exactly. Trendon, I uh, just was looking at uh, your numbers, and I don't know whether it was before the injury or not. I see you got eight steals and only been thrown out one time. That implies a certain level of speed. How much is, is speed a part of your game overall? Oh, yeah, speed speed is a huge part of my game. Um, of course, I'm going to be able to you know, put some power numbers up as well, but just being able to have that speed component in the back is, is huge for me um i'm a fast guy i can get on i can hit singles doubles whatever still second third um just being able to have that extra tool is, is a big part of my game and i'm a i run really well and i'll continue to run really well and still as many bases as i can and as being and being as aggressive as i can as well trending craig is with us from the delmarva shorebirds here on gcr Trendon, you know, when you arrived in the Orioles system in 2021, we, we didn't really know, like, where things were going. Seeing how things have kind of unfolded since then, I know your biggest concern is you, right? Like, and getting you to the place where you can reach the major leagues, all those things. But how much excitement have you felt about the totality of being a part of this thing and, and the opportunities that can be there if you continue on this path? Well, one thing I would say is being in this organization, we got a lot of talent, a lot of talented guys. Um, 
and it's just great just being around those guys. And I didn't really know that being around guys that were so good and went about the game the right way and played the game well that you could pick up so much and just become a better player just being around your teammates and your peers. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited to see where this is going. And if I stay with Oreos, and I'll be more than happy. Um, but just, you know, just being being able to be healthy and play the game that I love is really what I'm focused on right now and just staying healthy, just taking care of my body um, and just learning just what my body needs in order to keep going every day at a high rate and at a fast pace. Reading, Trendon, reading the little bio I have on you, it says that you've played all the outfield positions. It says you're primarily, I don't know if it's correct or not, are you primarily a left fielder? Yes, I would say I'm primarily a left fielder, but, I mean, I played all of them, and I have played all of them my whole life, and I'm comfortable with all of them. So whichever the team needs and wherever they need me to play, um, I'm open to playing wherever. Is there is there a story behind why left? Is it just where they stuck you out there, and that's sort of what stuck? Like, is there a story behind how you became kind of primarily a left fielder? Um, no, there isn't really a story. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess that's just where I I stuck well. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm comfortable playing all of them. I know I can play all of them. So, if you're headed down to the beach this weekend, I would encourage you to stop tonight in Delmarva because it is Jackson Holiday Bobblehead Giveaway Night in Delmarva. Uh, I hear he's good. So the first <laughs> thousand fans that come through the gates will get a Jackson Holiday bobblehead. Um, and so make sure you get to Delmarva tonight to get to Salisbury on your way to the beach. Headed back from the beach on Sunday. There's a, a kids run the bases event with the Shorebirds, but they are home this weekend to check them out. Um, Trent, let, let's go through for you biggest priorities, right? Like as you're now a couple years in, and obviously you want to start progressing. What are the things that you are on your list this year? I want to make sure that I've done this, that I've focused on this in order to feel like I am doing the things I need to do in order to make that jump. Um, like I said before, um, just basically just making sure that I'm in control of keeping my body the way that it needs to be. And that, that goes anything from how I work out, from making sure that I'm, I'm staying on my list during the season, um, my sleep, sleep is really a, a huge deal, and I, I didn't really learn that until I got uh, older. But um, just sleep, working out, how I'm eating, um, and just you know, just making sure I can just stay on the how field. How do you become um, a better sleeper? I need advice on that, Trendon, because <laughs> well, you got two. Kids. Yeah, I've got two kids. You, you it definitely complicates things You'll never for sleep. me. Go yeah, right. But like, how do you become a better sleeper? Well, th- I mean. Really, a, a big thing would be, you know, probably just putting down the electronics, you know, just, uh, just learning yeah. how to re- relax your mind at least 30 minutes before bed. Um, I wouldn't even I, I wouldn't even say watch TV. Um, what I've been doing lately is just journaling and um, just, you know, just feeling like I'm clearing my mind and clearing my thoughts, um, just getting them out. So that way I can just clear my mind and re- relax my mind, go to sleep, wake up with a new fresh mind. Um, that's really been helping me. Um, you can also, you know take a warm shower before you go to bed. That also relaxes your mind. Um, listening to sleep noises or some type of doing some type of medic, uh, meditation always works as well. It's, these are good ideas, but if I do that, then I can't watch 60 videos of people making burgers on the internet. It's just very <laughs> difficult for me. I mean, to... yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's difficult, but I mean... Yeah. It's called discipline. The trade-off, for, me, for me, the trade-off, I mean... It, I get it. It's, I, a, yeah. it's yeah. a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, I can understand. my career and... Yeah. <laughs> For you, th- there is a reason why you're on your way to becoming a you know a major league baseball player, and I'm 
sitting here in a, a studio on a Friday morning. That's the difference. <laughs> hey, Trendon, you sound like a disciplined young man. And then I look at your own base percentages, and they're pretty darn good. Uh, what What's the key for you? And your strikeout-to-walk ratio is very good as well. Um, you know, anybody that can can do it like two to one or, or less is pretty darn good. What's the key to your discipline at the plate? Um, honestly, just, just having an approach for every at-bat and having a plan and knowing what pitches I'm going to swing at and what pitches I need to lay off. And um, just knowing the pitcher's, the pitcher's tendencies, how he's trying to pitch to get you out. And also, I would say just knowing a little bit of your weaknesses in your game and know how they may try to pitch to those weaknesses and just really owning owning the zone and just not getting yourself out of the zone and swinging at pitches that you know that you can do damage with and not chasing much, honestly. And that's how you get your walks, and then you, you'll hit. Were you that disciplined in high school? Uh, no, it's definitely something that I would say I took after, you know, being in this organization and mm. just learning how to, you know, slug higher and do damage with more pitches. I mean, if you're not swinging at pitches that you can do damage with, you're not going to re, you're not going to re, really be making a big impact as far as hitting the ball well. So it's definitely something that I had to learn over the years, and I'm still learning it as I grow. And um, there's always a way to get better, and you know, just learning and. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's been. Hey, just a question. We're having you on to talk about yourself, but did you get to brush elbows with Jackson for a few days this season? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely, man. Jack Jackson's great. Um, he's a great person, and, of course, he's a great ball player. But, um, yeah, he's going to be really special, and uh, Jackson, he's a pretty cool kid. What's so, what is it, if you had to guess what is, or, or stay what you've observed, what's his secret sauce? Honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I mean, maybe just being around the game for as long as he's been. Yeah, I mean, sure. it probably helped consider being around the game with his dad for a very long time. But I know, I also know that Jackson's a hard worker and he works hard too. So I mean, you know, hard with good things. Hard good things come with hard work. So, I, I by the way, Trent and Craig, I think you might be the only person I know. You've got eight thousand three hundred followers on Instagram, despite the fact that you have no posts. That's really remarkable, man, <laughs> that people want to follow you that much. Uh, it's Craig on Instagram, and you can follow him, and maybe we'll see if there's something coming from Trent and Craig in the future. Again, get down to Delmarva this weekend, see the Shorebirds. Trent and Craig, best of luck as the season continues. Man, thank you so much for spending a couple Thanks. of minutes with us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. You guys enjoy. It's All right. Trending Craig, Delmarva Shorebirds, as we make our trip nice down Nice young there. man. Very nice Very young nice man. Young. I agree with that. Thoughtful. And, and, and interesting that, you know, as you bring up the, hey, were you always like that? Nope. That kind of came when I. Yeah. It speaks to if there is a special sauce within the system, it feels like that's been the approach at the plate and taking more pitches. And this is almost like a perfect transition segue to that. Where yeah, we right, hung right. up the phone. Right. And the phone. So the went. time could not have worked out better that yeah. way. Uh, Stan the Fan is here. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, and we do have another minor league trip to make, just the way that it worked out this week, that both of these were on Friday. Um, this man's been very busy this week, celebrating the first half title and you know trying to squeeze games in between rainouts and having about a million major league players hanging around at the moment. It's been a big, big week for the Norfolk Tides, and joining us now, the manager of the Tides, 
He is Buck Britton. He's back with us here on GCR. Buck, it's Glenn. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with me. Thank you for taking the time. Congratulations on the first half title. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, Buck, you know, you kind of you had to know at the beginning of the year that you had a lot of special baseball players that you're going to be working with. How juiced were you for this season, this level, these guys that you've come along with in this system? And, you know, how how happy are you that you, you have that the team has performed and as these players have performed at the level that the expectations were? Yeah, you know, coming coming out of spring training, there was no question that we were going to be talented. Um, I think that added a little bit of extra pressure to make sure that we did get these guys to perform. Um, but man, it's it's been from day one. These guys have come out. Um, they've continued to work. They've continued to just continue to get better, play together. Um, they're having so much fun together. They're they're pulling for each other to succeed, which is really unique at this level. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the talent and the work they're putting in is translating to the field. And we're, we're having a really good season. Like you said, we won the first half, but these guys aren't done. Um, they're looking to continue this and get opportunities to play in the big leagues. Buck, uh, at the beginning of the season this year, if you had said to me, who's going to be the first pitcher to come up <laughs> that could make an impact? I, I th- you know, on the Orioles – I would have probably had Yanier Cano based on his numbers from last year in Minnesota and the little bit I saw him. I would have said, well, that guy's like about a, my hundredth choice. When did you realize you had something special in him? Yeah, I think uh, towards the end of last year, he really started to command the ball a little bit better. Um, I think that was that was his big issue. I mean, the stuff was never in question. Um, a unique arm angle. Um, it was electric, but it, it just wasn't consistently in the strike zone. Um, I think he, he got rid of, you know, at times you would see him throw this breaking ball or even a fastball over the top, and I, and I think he just did away with that this spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, smart move by the pitching department. Um, and you started to see the command tick up, and I don't know whether it was just consistently throwing from the same arm angle. Um, I think Holty and them did a tremendous job trying to, you know, syncing up his mechanics just getting them in the strike zone and you're seeing that stuff play out live. Um, like I said, the stuff was always there, but now he's, he's commanding it and guys are having to make tough decisions at when to swing and when not to swing with the stuff that he's got up there. He is Buck Britton, manager of the uh, Norfolk Tides, and he's with us here on GCR. Buck, um, obviously we talk about the talent that you guys have had, the guys that stand out the most, Jordan, Colton, you know, that, that have been there. I know Colton, of course, was hurt for a little while. Um, you know, what can you say about these guys' preparation, their readiness, their professionalism, that they just continue to perform at such an absurdly high level? Yeah, well, well, first off, they, you know, they all, they all pull for each other. And, you know, we got a saying here, iron sharpens iron. And they, they make it, they make it a, uh, a priority that they all show up and put in the same work, not only to make themselves better, to make their buddies better. Um, and they love working together, but it's every day. It's just the consistency. And I, I think we do a great job um, with our hitting department and how we prepare before games. And these guys have really bought into a system um, and they're the same guys every day. They have a ton of fun. They love to do the extra work. Um, and when they get to the field, man, their, their talent and their preparation just takes over. And it's, it's been really fun to watch. 
want to ask you about two players, and obviously you, you're merely the manager of the AAA team, so you don't make these decisions. But I'm wondering, with Colton Kowser and Jordan Westberg, there's, they've got it's seemingly they have nothing left to prove at your level. How do you help keep them focused on not being frustrated by the fact that they're still developing? when it looks like they don't have that much more to develop, Buck? Yeah, you know, first off, I think it's a testament to the type of character that that those guys have, and really uh, most of the guys on our team. Um, They understand they're playing well. Our major league team is playing really well. Um, The windows of opportunity are are a little tighter than they've been in the last couple of years. Um, And we talk about, you know, it's kind of cliche, but controlling what you can control. Um, and we really, really try to emphasize that down here. Um, I've gotten to know those guys a ton, so I kind of know which but- buttons to push mm-hmm. um, at any given time to keep them in the, on the right path. But um, it, it, honestly, it, it's not that hard, man. The makeup of these guys is incredible. They, they understand that when they do get their opportunity, they want to be ready, and they want to stay up there, and they want to win up there uh, because their buddies are up there. Um, so I, I think it's a little self-driven in that aspect. Can you take me through, and one of the things we've talked about with a few of these guys this year, Buck, has been versatility and how important that has been throughout the organization. And like Connor Norby talking about running around in the outfield and doing different things to show your ability. As as much as you guys are trying to win, you know, has it been a bit of a juggling act with, you know, having guys play different spots and trying to show what they could do to help at the major league level by playing even other positions? Oh, Absolutely. Um, but I think more than anything else, it's been fun, uh, to watch these guys, athleticism come out. Um, but versatility, like I said, is huge and just gives opportunities for, you know, Hyde to, to mix and match, um, lineups up there, try to get the best matchups. And, you know, Westberg may be the best guy to play third base that night, but you also have Uria. So maybe Westberg can go play the outfield and you get both bats in there. Um, so these, these guys love it. It's fun. Uh, it's, it's fun as a coach because you're, you're coaching guys that are inexperienced at positions, so you really get to do a lot of the groundwork that you would maybe have done at a lower level um, here in AAA and get out there and, and watching them get better um, is really, really fun as a coach. Skip, uh, I wanted to ask you about a guy you named uh, Heston Kerstat. Uh, obviously, draft pick 2020, then had the myocarditis, had some other injury problems. He's been healthy for the last year year and a little bit uh he's been with you for a couple weeks got four home runs in his first 51 at bats what do you see out of him and is he purely an outfielder for you or i'd heard that he played a little first base at delmarva yeah well the first thing is tremendous bat to ball skills um and tremendous power to all parts of the field um it's a really impressive skill set in the box um, doesn't matter if you're facing right-handed pitching, left-handed pitching. This guy can hit. Um, he he's played the majority of outfield. First base was introduced to him at uh, spring training, and that's something we're continuing to attack here. And you're going to see him a couple days a week over there at first base. Um, just another guy, you know, versatility. If you can play the corner outfields and get him at first base, something that's going to really benefit our major league club at some point. Um, right now, I, I think first base is. Obviously, because it's a newer position, I think it's something that he's got to continue to work on, and we're trying to attack the foundations of it here to begin with. 
Um, but this guy's pretty athletic, pretty mm-hmm. athletic. And, and I think with continued work, man, he, that's going to become a viable option for him. The Tides are back home next week, starting on Wednesday night. Lots of great events next week, including a Negro League tribute night next Friday night as uh, they'll celebrate and play as the Norfolk Red Stockings. Uh, but all sorts of cool events as they're home starting next Wednesday night, uh, taking you through the 4th of July weekend in Norfolk. Buck Britton with us here on GCR. Buck, you know, it's funny because we're talking about, you know, guys not getting frustrated. I wonder what your conversations were like with Grayson when he got back down there. And, you know, that's a difficult thing for someone who has been so well thought of. And and I can understand why somebody might be disappointed by it. But we've seen some really good starts. What were the priorities for you when he got back down there? And, and how did you handle those conversations with him about not being too disappointed by being back down at AAA? Yeah, you know, I think we, we gave I gave Grayson a little bit of space a couple of days when he came down because I understood that there was going to be some disappointment. But if you guys know Grayson, uh, he's not going to let a little adversity stop him from getting back to where he wants to be. Um, he's gotten a taste. He knows what it looks like up there. He knows that he can compete up there. But it's just about being consistent um, with his weapons in the strike zone. I think I think the command of the fastball was, was a huge priority coming down here. Um, but just being consistent with balls in the strike zone and not only in the strike zone, but be able to locate them within the strike zone. Uh, Major League hitters are very, very unique, man, where it it doesn't matter how hard you throw, how nasty your breaking ball is. If it lands over the middle of the plate, they're going to get a good swing off and they're going to hit it. So it's just going from, if you will, I guess, uh, controlling the strike zone to really commanding his pitches within the strike zone. Um, and this guy's a fierce competitor, man. And he's another guy that's self-driven. He's uh, he's been great down here. His attitude's been great. Um, and I'm really looking forward to him getting back up there and getting back on track. Buck was the was the third time through the lineup a thing that that you know they wanted him to work on with you. Was there a conversation like, hey, we'd like to see him have that? Or I know it's always so tricky because you also don't want to push it with pitches and innings and things like that. It's... Yeah, there, there hasn't been much of a conversation about how many times to okay. face. You know, we're we're on pitch counts and and certain things um so yeah not not really so much with uh, you know how many times do we line up few faces buck i had I wanted to ask you about two left-handed pitchers uh what you what you see out of cole irvin uh when he pitched for you and are you surprised that he's struggling a bit at the big league level yeah you know cole cole pitched well down here it, it, he he had great command down here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I think, you know, in the big leagues, if you don't have overpowering stuff, man, the second you make mistakes, they just seem to jump yep. all over you. Yep. Whereas, you know, in, in AAA, you get to the, you know, the bottom half of lineups and you can, you can outstuff guys. You can execute a pitch and, and, and get a quick out. We're up there. It's just relentless. Yeah. Um, I, I do think he's, he, I mean, he's, he's got a ton of ability. Obviously he's, he's got a track record of pitching well and, um, I know we're hoping that he's a guy that can kind of uh, get back into form um, to help that rotation. But when he was here, another great guy, um, and, and he really was executing pitches. Um, and I, I think it's just trying to trying to find that same mentality up there. And he's a pretty humble guy, too. I mean, he went down there and went about going about his business rather than grumbling that he got sent down, didn't he? Oh, tremendous character. Yeah. And, you know, he was really good for the younger guys, helping them, 
um, having conversations with him. No, he was he was tremendous down here in that aspect. All right. Other left-handed pitcher I wanted to ask you about was somebody that was pretty popular here for a number of years. Your brother Zach. Uh, what's what's the latest on him? And do you think he he's going to get another opportunity? Uh, you know, he he had some offers early in the early in the off season, and he sat on them, and he and he waited a little longer. But um, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he's really enjoying being a dad at home. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's watching his kid play baseball. Okay. I get videos all the time of of his kid acting like a big leaguer out there at this, you know, <laughs> the eight U games. Um, he's he's in a really good place, man. He he had a heck, heck of a run, a good career, and. I think he's really enjoying being dad at home right now. No, hey, no, no, let's just flush it out though. You're going to be playing in a championship series later this season, right? <laughs> like, yeah. any chance you know, you the Orioles probably might have called a guy or two up by then, right? Like, you might. Yeah. Is there any maybe a phone call that you make, like, hey, man, you know, like, could you could you help me out a little bit, get us over the hump, and win in a championship? Yeah, I'd make sure he, he's bringing his gloves with him whenever he goes on vacation <laughs> somewhere to play catch. He's that arm fresh. Touche, touche. <laughs> Make that work. Um, Buck Britton, I really, I don't know what else there is to say other than, obviously, your team's been an awful lot of fun. We've been enjoying when they've been on MLB, MILB.TV. Uh, you know, we found ourselves watching games up here. I know it's probably been great for you having Cedric down there this week and hanging out. Uh, I guess we just keep saying keep kicking ass, right? Like, that's all we can say at this point. Keep doing it, man. Congratulations on a first-half title. Thank you for spending the time with us this morning. No, I appreciate you guys, man, and we're we're looking forward to having a big second half as well. No doubt. Thank Thanks, you, Buck. Buck. Appreciate it. Buck Britton, manager of the Norfolk Tides. Yeah, we could have just left it at thanks, Buck, and people would have thought that just tuned in. No, we just had, we had Buck, Buck Showalter show on. That might have not have been as, as pleasant a conversation <laughs> at this point, unfortunately. Been. Yeah, I think Buck Britton's God, having a much better no year than Buck No doubt show about on. that. Could you imagine, by the way, like all of a sudden the Orioles put out a press release? We've we've Zach signed Britton. Zach Britton to, to to and he's reporting to a minor league contract. Right? Could you imagine that in September? You may have just given Mike Elias an, an idea. idea. Yeah, right. Let him let him hang out there in September for the championship series. Then he can be here in October to help out the bullpen in the playoffs. I like it. I like it. We don't even need a finder's fee for yeah. it. We'll we'll yeah. just we'll just know that it was our idea to begin with. Thank you to Buck Britton for uh, taking the time for us. All right, when we come back in, we will get a tidbit, we'll get tubular, and then we'll wrap up the show by chatting with Roman Hemby, Maryland running back, uh, as he's got a big event coming up tomorrow in Joppa Town. So that's all on the way. Stay on the fan here for a Friday edition of GCR. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one. 800 gambler. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR. Thanks again this hour to uh, Chuck Rostano from Navy, as well as to Trent and Craig from the Shorebirds, and to Buck Britton, manager of the Norfolk Tides. Appreciate all of them catching up with us. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Right now, get there and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers right now. Again, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. What you got? I would say get your microphone on first. Uh, the Reds and Braves begin their series tonight, and they have won their own win streaks of 11 and 8, respectively, for the Reds and Braves. I'm told that like it's like sold out all weekend in Cincinnati, too. Is it really? Like, it is, it is wow. baseball fever has hit mm. ahead of this weekend in Cincinnati. Uh, it's the seventh time in LNB history that they have two teams opening up a series with both entering on an eight-game win streak or better. Mm. Last in 2021, the Braves and Yankees were both on eight I plus. Mean, there's no way that we would ever know, remember any of these. Um, but yeah, just a, you know, just a lot of a, this. This will be 19 combined, so I think it's going to be I'm trying to do some quick math here. This is the second tied for the second longest streak. The longest streak of combined winning streaks head to head was 1884. The St. Louis Maroons and the Washington Nationals. Now, now, now you were there for that series, right, Stan? I was, I was there. <laughs> I was a, just a young kid, yeah, though. Right. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I mean, I thought you were only like yeah. five or six in yeah. 1884. I was fat boy for the Maroons. <laughs> it's John weird. Mar- it John is Maroon's weird they named father. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it's weird they team. named the team after John Maroon, considering I, I thought he didn't come along until a few years later. With Scoot Henderson going third overall, uh, Brandon Miller went second. Uh, Wembyama first, of course. This is the third time Wait, in the modern. What? They what? took Wembyama first. Yeah, yeah. Had to make sure. Man, we, stunning. Yeah, Stan Wash. Breaking, breaking news this morning. My, and third time in the modern draft era since 1966 that two of the first three picks did not play college basketball. The other two years, 
the 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 Kwame Brown Eddie Curry that year whatever. He, yes, but Eddie Curry was fourth. Pa- uh, oh, Pal Gasol was drafted. Oh, Pal Gasol. I thought yeah. Eddie Curry went right after. Well, who went one, number one that year? Uh, Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown, right? And then, then Tyson Chandler was drafted. Second. Tyson Chandler, but he also he played. Or, or yeah, I no, think yeah, he also he was a high school kid. Yeah, yeah, you're right. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so none of four. them. Yeah, none of them were college. What's Kwame, yeah. what's Kwame doing these days? That's a great question. Uh, I think he had a bit of a meltdown on Twitter not that long ago. Right. Uh, yeah. I think he might have outed himself as kind of a bad guy on Twitter. I don't remember the whole story, but I do remember that was the last time anybody kind of popped up. He 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 popped up was he was not not doing well on Twitter or or maybe I'm remembering that entirely wrong and you'll tell me something else. Um yeah, okay. well it's for another day. All right. <laughs> All right. Kwame Brown. And then in 2003 LeBron James uh was drafted first overall and then Darko Milicic. Oh, that's right. Was yeah, drafted second right. in 2003. Yeah, yeah. Car- uh, Carmelo went number 3 and yeah, I, I mean the Pistons won the title the following year. So like that's the hilarious part about it. And I've, yeah. I I talked about that in the column that I wrote about Carmelo for this print issue of Pressbox, which is like it, if you it's want It's hard to say. If you want to say that Carmelo is part of his own story as to why he didn't win a title, then you have to assume that if the Pistons hadn't gotten their pick right that he would have cost them. Like some of it is happenstance. Like the teams that you're on the Pistons made the wrong pick at number two, won the title anyway the following year. Presumably, if they make the right pick, Carmelo doesn't prevent them from winning the title that year. I'm guessing, but, you know, butterfly effect, who knows? Uh, Weminyama is the first number one pick without a college basketball, or without, yeah, without a college ball background uh, since 2006, and he is the sixth all time. Do you know the other five that number one overall picks? So either straight out of high school or across seas? Um,. Yeah, uh, number one overall that never played in high school or came from. Or Europe. No, 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 they played. They, yeah, they never came, played in college or yeah, came yeah. from Europe. No, they came from Europe or right. out of high school. Right, they never played in college or came from Europe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I was reading it as. You know, I'm like, I'm like, what am I missing? Here? All right, well, name one. Uh, All of them. Oh my god! Well, Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Yeah, yes. right. Yao Ming from China in 2002. Hey. Wait a minute! They never played. They, LeBron. I'm LeBron. That's yes. what I was. Yeah. I was wondering. Yeah, 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 yeah LeBron. Didn't LeBron. just didn't play in college. Didn't play never in college. played co- yeah, American never college, played basketball. college basketball. Uh, Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. So 2001 Brown, 2002 Yao Ming, 2003 LeBron James, 2004 out of high school. 2004 out of high school. 2004. This guy was a flop, wasn't he? Uh, I mean, no, he had a pretty good career. I mean. Yeah, I never won any. I, yeah, I never I won remember anything. somebody around that time period that uh, drafted by the. Oh, you're thinking of the Italian guy. You're thinking of. Um, yeah, that he is on this list. Bargnani Bar- yep. Bar- or yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrea Bar- Bargnani yeah. went to Toronto. And the other one is out of high school. Is yeah. The kid that was drafted by Minnesota, Ricky. No, not not a, not Minnesota. Okay. The Orlando Basketball Club. Orlando. And, and was was an okay player? Yeah, I mean, he was a pretty good player. He had a good career. <laughs> but he didn't I'm, win. I'm, he, known for his dunk contest antics, I guess. Known for his dunk. Oh, Dwight. Well, Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. 
You're making it seem like but he's he, a. He never won. He never won a championship. It's Carmelo Anthony's one of the greatest players in the history of basketball. Dwight Howard's a Hall of Fame basketball well, I just player. Remember the last couple of years. What of are his we? Career. What is that? What a bizarre way of describing Dwight Howard. All right, Dwight Howard. He's on the list though. Yeah, good job. Well done. Jesus. Wembenyama is the second yeah. tallest. It was. You he, really think Dwight Howard's no, a Dwight Hall Howard's of Fame? I, I think people don't realize like you can't compare to the Hall of Fame in basketball to other Hall of Fames. It's like Kyle Lowry's a Hall of Famer in basketball. Right. Like, they, yeah. they, well, you they, mean you're com- well, he didn't play college, right? We just said no, that. he didn't yeah. play college. But Dwight Howard made eight All Star games. Like Dwight Howard is easily going to be in the Hall of Fame because the the burden for getting into the Hall of Fame in the NBA when you have a smaller pool of players from which to choose from. Mm-hmm is basically were you a high-level player for an extended period of time. Hang on. There's a, a basketball reference does a Hall oh, of Fame. they do like a Hall of Fame calculator score. Yeah, they do this. Hang on a second. All right. Uh, pull it up and tell you what they've got. Yama, he is the second tallest number one pick at seven foot five. Wembenyama is the second tallest number one overall pick. They have Dwight Howard at 99.7%. Hmm. Okay, so I guess, all right, fine. He's yes. a Hall Fine. I'll seed he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what else there is to say. He's averaged 15 points a game, 11.8 rebounds. I mean, the double, do- averaging a double-double yeah. for your career is pretty significant. Okay. Like, there's no doubt about that. Okay. 99 points. He is, he is uh, right behind Scottie Pippen, Ray Allen, Clyde Drexler, Paul Pierce, Hal Greer. That's okay that's, company. That's the group. Yeah. Then Dwight Howard. Hal Greer's not in the Hall of Fame. No, he's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Like that's They include on the okay. list. Like okay. they, they have, the uh, even of Hall of Famers, they list people who's, like, for example... Um, the, uh, everybody that's at 1,000, there are 29 players that are 1,000 or better. So the Wizards get another Hall of Famer. In who? Dwight Howard. And Okay. Okay. Michael uh, Jordan, Dwight Howard. Hang on. The last of the list is Isaiah Thomas, is the last of the 1,000s. Then James Harden, above Charles Barkley, Allen Iverson, Elgin really? Baylor, Jason Kidd. Elgin Baylor. Um, and then, yes, everybody at... I'm trying to think of who's, who's score... Uh, I'm trying to think of who is the score that's not. So Vince Carter is not in yet, but will get in, and he's at 94.5%. Okay. So okay. Howard's a higher percentage than Vince, Vince Carter. Carter. Howard's a higher percentage than uh, these Hall of Famers. Rick Barry, Walt, Clyde Frazier, um, Lenny Wilkins, Kevin McHale, Bob McAdoo, Steve Nash, the Iceman George Gervin, Dominique Wilkins, Willis Reed, Dikembe Mutombo, right, Tracy fine. McGrady. <laughs> I mean, I don't Talking who, about who Dwight Howard. Traded, like who just traded for uh, James Harden? Did the Rockets get him again? Did they? Did I uh, miss that? No, was there, has he been traded? I didn't the, think so. James did Harden? I, no. Yeah, no, I didn't okay. think so. I was like, did I, I miss something? Well, he's, he's, I can't imagine he's not anybody back to wanting Philly. him. I can't imagine anybody wanting him as a player. Now. But he's he's a free agent, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, basically. If, or it's like, or he can know, opt out. Like or, yeah, yeah okay. some, something right. like that. All right. Um, so he is also the second tallest number one overall pick uh, in NBA history. Behind Yao Ming. Behind Yao Ming. Yeah. Seven, six, seven, five. Who are the next two tallest? Uh, Akeem Olajuwon. Uh, not Akeem Olajuwon. Really? Really. What do they list Olajuwon as? Let me see how tall. Seems surprising. Akeem Olajuwon. Only seven foot. Oh, what a bummer. <laughs> what a bum. He's only seven foot. Uh, okay, then Shaquille O'Neal. Not Shaquille O'Neal. What are they list Shaq as? Well, he's seven. He's also isn't he also? Seven? I thought he was seven one or seven two. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah the next well, the next two guys are seven two and seven four. So they have to be at least seven, seven two. two and seven four. 
Yeah, Shaq's only 7-1. God, if Shaq can't make this list. The first overall pick in 1983. First overall pick in 1983. Um, That wouldn't be Patrick Ewing. It was not Patrick Ewing. But he was number one overall pick, and he's also not on this list? No, he's not. 1983. That's not worthy, is it? Not worthy. So then it's um it's Ralph Sampson, Ralph right? Sampson, okay, Ralph Sampson, seven foot four, and it's seven foot two. The legendary Laker. Legendary Lake Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Kareem Abdul Lou Alcindor, as he was yeah, known, I guess, when he was drafted. drafted but yes, yes, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Seven two. All right. So your top right. four very good tallest number one overall picks. Very good. Good company, I guess, for women. Can't I still can't believe how we're describing Dwight Howard. Like he's some bum. Like yeah, the hey, last, he's a, the last he was okay. Years of his career were Jeez, ugly. I that's fine. <laughs> so is Michael Jordan, Washington. God, what are you talking man. about? That was that's that was that was the yeah, height, that was the the height, height of, of uh, height of Washington Wizards basketball. Wins. Unless that is the sad part. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Ewing was seven foot, by the way. Okay. Orioles Mariners this weekend in Baltimore tonight. Uh, weather pending, 7 o'clock. Logan Gilbert and Kyle Gibson on Masson. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Why is tomorrow's a four o'clock game? There's not a concert afterwards tomorrow, is there? They're doing a not that I know. Is it the giveaways? Does that affect it at all? Maybe. Here's the the, the, the the I thought tomorrow was the, or, yeah, soccer, that's the, that's the, the purple, Raven the Ravens jersey. You're right. The, the purple Orioles jerseys they're giving pride. away. No, your giveaways. Bryce Miller, Dean Kramer tomorrow at four, and then Sunday at one thirty, George Kirby and TBA. But I assume that will just be Kyle Bradish. I don't know why they would feel the need to have Cole Irvin. I just don't know why they would feel the need to skip a day on Kyle Bradish. Like, he's pitched well. I'd, I'd prefer that they go with uh Unless they're going to bump Irvin. up. Yeah? Yeah, All I, right. would. I would. Um, now, I think it's possible, by the way, they're waiting to figure out if that, like, to win the series, if that game matters. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, well, I'd, I'd want my starting pitcher to know I hear mentally you. that he's starting. I hear you. Um, by the way, next Sunday's game. Is the breakfast game? Yeah, that's a peacock game. But there, when for what some reason, will that this start? is very weird because in Baltimore yeah. the peacock is at noon, right? Whereas in other cities it's eleven thirty, right? And I know in Chicago last week it was at one <laughs> local time because it was two. Or no, 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 no. It was, it was at it was noon. noon. It was yeah, noon, noon local, local time. One, time. yeah, our time. So but then in Atlanta it was eleven thirty. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's like an ordinance in certain cities where like you're not allowed to have an event before noon, so like you have to do it at noon. It would be like maybe the old blue law. Kind of. Yeah. But I do, like the point of this was like let's start at 1130 so we've got two hours of exclusivity right. before anybody else starts a game right. that this right. is the only game you can watch. Right. I, it is weird the maybe way that that is. they got a little brushback from players, the Players I, Association. I, 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 wouldn't, like I wouldn't blame them if that was the case. Couple other highlights this weekend. Uh, the Gold Cup does get underway tomorrow night. Fox Sports One. They're saying nine thirty, but I'm told it's actually ten o'clock. USA and Jamaica. Uh, the World Lacrosse Championships do continue out in San Diego tonight. USA Australia at ten tomorrow. USA Haudenosaunee at ten, and on Sunday uh, USA England at seven. All those games on ESPN Plus. Um, the College World Series final starts tomorrow night. Uh, game one between LSU and Florida is on ESPN at 7. Game two 
will be on Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock, and then if necessary, there'll be a Game 3 on Monday and night. I guess Paul Skeens would be available on Monday. I mean, he threw a lot of pitches last night. I, I get it. They'll, yeah. they'll probably make him available for Monday, but I, I think he threw like damn near 120 pitches last night, and so I it's a tough... Yeah. I'm sure who has the number two pick in the because Cruz is going to go number one, the right? Nat are the Nats number two? Who is the number two pick in the draft? Whoever it is, I imagine they're sitting there rooting for the series to end in two games. Like, let's not have him throw again. <laughs> let's just go ahead and have, be done with this. Or, or the Nats are, or the Pirates are one, yeah, Nats are two. Nats are two, okay. And I think the con- concept is the Pirates are expected to take Dylan, Dylan Cruz, Cruz. I think so. And then yeah, Skeens is expected to be number two after that. Where are the Orioles drafting? 17. 17. Yep. Matt Shaw could be in play for them, the Maryland shorts. I get it. Like, nobody thinks they should take another infield bat, but that's what they like to take. So, good at it. it yeah, I don't, like. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, everything else, go to glennclarkradio.com. Anything non sports wise that stands out? Uh, we got your movie. This movie is about Glenn Clark. It's called I'm a Virgo. Ah, that's true. I am a Virgo. You're right about that. It's on Prime Video. It's a Boots Riley joint. Uh, he's the one who did Sorry to Bother You. Oh, okay. I remember. Yeah. I like so, it's like kind of a weird, really weird. Yeah. Funny kind of, so it's a 13 foot tall man kind of like escapes from his I don't know he was just kind of being secluded from society and now he just goes out and lives life. Dwight and Howard star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's 13 feet tall. It looks it looks really it looks kind of funny actually, and uh, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what like what where he's gonna go with it because Bruce Riley always does yeah funky yeah. funky twists. Um, Otherwise, yeah, not a whole lot. A couple movies on Netflix, like a rom-com, and then a Gabrielle Union movie on Netflix as well. So nothing. Yeah, nothing. Is what you're trying really, to say. Yeah, nothing. That, that is yeah, what spend, I'm trying watch to Watch The Bear if you need something to watch. Uh, the Idol, Sunday Night on HBO. Oh, the Gemstones. Righteous, yes, Righteous yeah, Gemstones, Gemstones, of course, continues. Uh, episode 3 on HBO, and then Walking Dead, Dead City. Not for me. Not for me. Stan the Fan. Monday, of course, you, Luke, Ross... Yep. Six o'clock? I'm not 100% sure of the time because okay. the Orioles are playing the Reds that night at 7. Mm-hmm. I might want to do it Go to like the game. at 4, yeah. Yeah. 4.30 or something like that. And uh, so uh, that's a possibility. And then Thursday, I'll be interviewing Chuck, Jay Cornegay yep. of uh, Superbook.com. Uh, Looking forward to that. That'll be next Thursday as well. And, of course, power rankings at PressBoxOnline.com. A and lot of changes. I mean, Cincinnati moved up last week from 23 to 16. They very yeah, easily could, could be in the top, top 10. 10 this I week. hear you. Yeah. I hear you. I already put the Angels and the Marlins in the top 10 wow. last week. Fun time, fun time to be a baseball fan. Yeah, right. It's a lot of interesting storylines, and of course, you'll be on with the boys tomorrow morning on the bat round as well. Yeah, if I have to. <laughs> if you have to, jeez. Paul and Zach tomorrow Just morning. Kidding. Just Paul, kidding. Tomorrow morning, ten to noon, same locations for the bat around. All right. Uh, thanks today to Buck Britton. Thanks to Trending Craig. Thanks to Navy baseball coach Chuck Rostano and to Roman Henby, who you're about to hear from. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at glenclarkradio.com. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with stuff and things. Uh, I'll be on with Rita on Sunday on 1057. The fan, uh, Sherry Burris from NFL Network, will join us. We're on 1 to 4 on Sunday. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox. All of our great sports. Partners and sponsors, including Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, All-American Lacrosse, the Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. At Stan the Fan on Twitter for him. Yes. Yeah. Did did we mention the uh, London series? That is that is correct. Yeah, Tomorrow afternoon on Fox, and then yeah, Sunday, Sunday morning. That might be the reason why 
Well, no, because it is a Sunday morning game on ESPN. It's right. a 10 a.m. game right. for Cardinals-Cubs this week on ESPN. Okay, Cardinals-Cubs in London. I think the trade-off is there is no Peacock game this week because of that. So Will the King, right. will the king be there? Uh, that's a good question. I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. But Cubs and Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals stink, man. Jeez. But, uh, yes, those two games in London. Yeah, they do. I, uh, I did watch the video of, like, the time lapse of them turning the soccer. I think it's it, – I don't remember whose stadium. Wolverhampton, maybe? Somebody – whoever stadium it is, they turned into a baseball stadium, and I did watch that time lapse video this week. At Stan the Fan for him. At Griffin underscore Bass for him. We are at Glenn Clark Radio, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Now we wrap up the week. The conversation we had to have a little bit earlier on. Roman Hemby, Maryland running back, right here on GCR. Welcome back to the program. Someone who was outstanding last season for Maryland football. Just about 1,000 yards. He is a John Carroll alum, a Hartford County native. And now he is giving back to his community as tomorrow he is hosting a football camp the Roman Hemby Youth Football Camp for ages 9 to 14 in Joppa Town. He is the aforementioned Roman Hemby, and he's with us here on the program. Roman, it's Glenn. It's great to have you back, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, dude. Um, take me back growing up in Hartford County, right? Like, who who were the guys that you looked up to, and and what does this mean now for you to be able to do this for your community and try to lift up a next group of kids? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, living in the Harford County area and playing for Little River, um, I was able to, you know, see a lot of great guys and great talent come through the area. Um, I looked up to my older brother, Kyle and Deshaun, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also big names like, you know, Deontay Harris and guys like that. I got to see them growing up, and they gave me a lot of motivation to, you know, keep pushing forward with the game of football. So how important was this to you? When, you? when you were able to break through and have the outstanding season that you had, how much were you sort of saying in your back of your mind, all right, I already want to think about paying it forward now? Um, you know, that's something that was instilled in me with my parents from a long time ago. So, um, you know, before I had this season, I always knew that I wanted to give back to my community and be in the community. And, you know, having a good season like last year kind of gave me the opportunity to have a platform to, you know, outreach and become – more of a community person in the area. That's awesome, man. Hembeast.com, H-E-M-B-E-A-S-T, Hembeast.com is the website where you can find out more about the youth football camp. Um, ages 9 to 14, What? what tell, take me through what, in your mind, what is this going to look like tomorrow? Um, yeah, it's going to look really awesome. You know, we're going to have a lot of kids running around, learning fundamentals of football and just having fun. Um, we got a lot of things planned for them outside of football. we got things, people's, People that are talking about, you know, uh, classroom etiquette and things like that and just how to be a positive role model in the community. And then, you know, when we get to the football aspect, we'll have a lot of great coaches out there, you know, teaching some good drills and fundamentals that they, that they can implement into their game right away. And, you know, we got moon bounces and uh, DJs playing music. We got food trucks and everything like that. Awesome. So it'll be a great event. That's a great day. Everything starts at 9 a.m. And I saw you got some of your uh, your teammates are coming up to help you out with it. Yeah, I have my trainer from back home. He's actually, you know, being the one behind the scenes orchestrating a lot. And I have some of my teammates that will be familiar faces popping around to help the kids with, you know, little bits and things here and there as well. That's awesome, man. It's such a cool thing for you to do, Roman. I really applaud you for that and and take care of your people. That's a very big deal. Um, uh, Roman, you know, we we talked about it. uh, What a season it was for the team, for you. Can you put into words with this all the work that you did 
to get the opportunity to show to everyone what you're capable of being, what did last season mean to you? Oh, yeah. Uh, last season meant a lot to me. You know, outside of what I put on the field Saturday, I gained a lot of trust from my teammates, and that's a big thing for me. Um, we have a really close-knit football team here at the University of Maryland, and, you know, we trust our guys, and I feel like I gained a lot of people's trust, a lot of the fan base's trust as well. So um, outside of my play on the field, um, I was able to become more comf- comfortable in the game, and I was able to learn the offense, and it helped me transition to Saturdays, and I'm really excited to you know, keep building on it for this upcoming season. No doubt about it. We'll, I, mean, I want to get to that, um, but some huge games in there. What What do you think most changed about – was it just an opportunity thing? Like we sort of saw it in the bowl game the year before. Was it just an opportunity thing, or did you feel like your game changed at all um, from year in to year out to allow you to have such an incredible breakout season? Um, I feel like it was more opportunity. It, it allowed me to, you know, see how things translated into the college gameplay, but – I will also say that it was the coaching and the, the guys being around me. I was able to practice really hard, and you know those bowl prep practices before the pinstripe bowl was able was helping me to become you know more comfortable in my play style. And I feel like you know attacking every workout with a, a positive mindset and going through the times of the year with the you know a chip on my shoulder almost it helped me to translate on Saturdays this up this past season. Roman Hemby is with us here on GCR. Again, he is hosting a football camp tomorrow in Joppatown. Hembeast.com is the website. Roman, um, what you guys did, getting not just getting back to a bowl game for a second straight year, but beating another really good team. It was essentially a road game, a ranked team. The way that you guys handled your business, how much did you feel like that made a statement about what Maryland football is and as you guys build now towards what you want to be in this upcoming season? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I feel like it was definitely a statement win for us. Um, we had the belief from the beginning, but um, I feel like it's just more of those, one of those things where we're getting everybody else on board. Um, we're building something special here, and I feel like we're taking steps in the right direction every year, and that was just a little testament to the work that we've been putting in. So um, I feel like – Oh, no, go ahead. What you say? No, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say I feel like um, – now we're in a space where we're talking Big Ten championships and we're working hard to make that a reality around here. It's almost like you could read my mind. I was about to say, so what's next, right? Like, And, and that's, a, <laughs> that's a bold combination of words for you to put out there, Roman. Like, But that's really the, the feeling internally in the program is that you guys are ready to take that type of jump. Yeah, well, we're ready, definitely. More than ready. What, what does that take? Like, what What is that conversation? Like, How do you guys go from good team, competitive team, you know, threatening to beat the Ohio States of the world to team that's ready to slay these beasts that you know you're going to have to go up against year in and year out in this conference? Um, I think it's just going to be, you know, if you watch the game last year, there's a couple plays in every game that kind of determine the game. And we want to become a team where we battle adversity really well and we come out on the the right side of those things. So um, there's not really much else that we have to do. Um, I feel like we're right there, and it's just, you know, Coach Locks always talks about this is the hardest step we're ever going to take. Um, you know, becoming bowl eligible, that's a big step, and winning bowl games is a big step, but going from an 8-1 team to a 10-11 win team, that's a big step, and I feel like um, as we gel as a community around here and as a team, we got to build that into our culture to have a winning culture and to make it a, you know, a, a normality for us to win those type of games, and when we get in those environments, it should be second nature for us. I mean, right? You 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 know you can do it, right? It's just getting over the hump and proving to everybody else that you can do it and actually getting it done. 
Um, right. Roman, I feel like you're the perfect person to ask this question to because it's come up a couple times in recent weeks. And in Baltimore, there's a really exciting running back in J.K. Dobbins. And, you know, th- throughout the NFL, we just saw Dalvin Cook get released. Um, th- there's this question. It's like, why, why would you want to be a running back right now in this game when, when you sort of see how at the highest level the position has been devalued? Can you kind of take me through – and as a guy who I know is going to want to play at that next level, your comfortability and why you you know, sort of committed to being a running back, and did you ever have you know second thoughts about that, seeing the way the position has changed over the last few years? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, the running back market is definitely something to, you know, look over, and it's definitely one of those things that's being shaped, and, you know, I hope they figure it out sooner or later which way they want to go with it, but um, I feel like, um, it takes a, a true art to be a running back. And, you know, I, I I had a struggle with it as well. My mother would say that when I was in high school, I actually wanted to play safety. Like, that was one of the positions that wow. I was being recruited at, and I thought it would be easier for me to, you know, ultimately make it to the league or whatever in that avenue. And, you know, my parents, they told me that I had the art as a running back and that I can be a decent safety, but I could be an excellent and a, a prosperous running back. So, you know, with the running back market and everything going on like that, I hope they figure it out, but – at the end of the day, I play football for more than just that. Um, you know, I'll be okay with it. If that's what it boils down to, I wouldn't want to change my position or anything like that. But I feel like um, running backs are really special creatures and special athletes, and I think we kind of get devalued because they don't understand the the, the, the skill set that we kind of bring to the table, especially with the way that the NFL is, is moving nowadays. Um, if you watch any of the games, you see running backs that kind of look like positionless athletes. You know, they're running – uh, routes out of the backfield, they're splitting out and running routes from, you know, the one and the two position yeah. as wide out. So it's like, um, I feel like we deserve more flowers because we do a lot on the field. And, you know, I feel like uh, um, over time, it'll, it'll come back. And I'm staying down just because I know that God has the plan for everything. And I'm just I'm excited to, you know, be able to continue playing this game however I can. You know, we, you mentioned catching that we're talking with Roman Hemby, Maryland running back here on GCR. You mentioned that, and we saw some big games for you as a pass catcher a year ago, right? We saw a few five, four-catch games. Do you feel like that's an, an, an area of your game that can develop even more in what you can be as a weapon out of the backfield for, for Leah? Oh, yeah, I think it's definitely an, a, a, a – a place for me to have a bigger role on the team there. Um, You know, they do a really good job making sure that I'm in a good space for check downs and everything like that for Leah. But I feel like, um, you know, as we kind of get more comfortable in the offense, we'll be able to pick defenses apart a little bit more and, you know, make those linebackers a little bit more vulnerable. So, um, you know, looking into this upcoming season, I really want to, you know, test the waters and see if I can get a little bit more, you know, tricky in 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 the open field and get, more opportunities out there and you know without having to run the ball so we'll see what happens but I really think that that's a, a, a asset to the game and asset for my team that we haven't really tapped into at the moment it can be an even more explosive offense than what we've seen uh you mentioned that you 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 had a love for safety was that sort of a little bit like wanting to be like your brother was that maybe kind of what drove that passion for playing the, the safety position um yeah I think he he had a lot to play in it um just because I used to train with him and he taught me how to backpedal and everything yeah. like that. So once I once I started to become good at it and I knew, like, hey, being a natural athlete, I could kind of go sideline to sideline and make plays, it was, like, kind of easier for me. Um, you know, obviously I didn't really see what it's like at the collegiate level, but in high school I had a lot of fun playing safety. And I knew, you know, watching him and seeing all the success he had, I knew that it wouldn't be hard to learn some, some key things from him and, you know, keep elevating my game. 
All right, give me give me a guy. When you guys were together in the spring, give me somebody who maybe was not necessarily someone that we, you know, got to see a ton of a year ago, but you think is going to be a difference maker for this football team this season. Um, I think Ty Felton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had mm-hmm. he had a lot of receivers over top of him last year. He, you know, he stayed down and worked really hard. He made some plays when he got the opportunity, but I think. He's definitely coming together really well, and I think he's going to have a breakout season this year. It makes a lot of sense. I know there's another Baltimore kid in the receiver room now in Tyrese Chambers, and I think everybody's really excited about him too. Glazing fast, man. Man, you know, we we need more Baltimore kids in this program all the time. We are always in favor of that. Um, Roman Roman Hemby, tomorrow, 9 a.m., and you got to register hembeast.com if you've got kids between 9 and 14 and you want to have them learn a little bit more about the game and about life, uh, get to hembeast.com, get signed up for the Roman Hemby Youth Football Camp in Joppa Town. Give me, as we wrap up, Roman, one piece of advice that you know you're going to pass along to these kids, something that you learned when you were younger that you think is really important for young people that are thinking about the game of football. Um, you know, stepping back into the classroom, um, I feel like, that's one of the things that a lot of athletes kind of forget about the importance of school. Um, if you play at any, you know, division one school, you're going to have to have that school aspect as well. And it kind of teaches you discipline. So I want to hit home with the kids and let them know that, you know, I'm a honor roll student and I work really hard to do that. And I take pride in it. And I think it translates to the field. Um, you know, here they always say how you live off the field is how you play on the field and everything like that. So everything comes full circle. And I want them to know that how you do anything is how you do everything. And I want them to, kind of have discipline I, I think it's incredible advice i think that is really important and it's it's awesome to see that you've you have taken that on and you're passing it along to young people now uh on twitter at r underscore h3 mby same thing on instagram and there's links up there to get some gear and of course hembeast.com for the camp tomorrow roman it's a lot of fun to watch you play but it's even more meaningful that uh, you're taking on this role for your community and for uh, our area to try to lift some kids up good on you for doing it uh thank you for taking the time for us we look forward to seeing you as we get closer to the fall all right yes sir thank you so much